Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the show where we hold horror to standards it absolutely never agreed to. <laughs> Good evening and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the podcast where we hold horror to progressive standards it never agreed to. Tonight we're talking about the 1979 dirty and slimy sci-fi all-time classic, Alien. I am your host, Jeremy Whitley, and with me tonight I am joined by a panel of cinephiles and cinebites. First, my co-host and comic book writer, Ben Kahn. Ben, how are you tonight? Uh, I'm sure shit not gonna break quarantine, tell you that. Nope. This, this movie will reinforce your feelings about quarantine, that's for sure. Uh, next up, my frequent collaborator, comics artist, and certified alien aficionado, Emily Martin. How are you tonight, Emily? I'm full of respect women juice. It's important. Yes. Respect women juice is important. And I our might special... have to take a couple breaks. Okay, it's too much juice. Too much juice. Just too much juice. full of juice. <laughs> and oh, our I'm special sorry. guest tonight... Artist, comic creator, and Oracle deck designer, Kathleen Krolowick. How are you tonight, Kathleen? Ready to talk about some aliens. Just the one. Just Just the one this time. Okay, okay, calming down. Just one for tonight. (laughs) Next week, week we're doing plural. (laughs) That's true. Is not even like the first thing that pops up on IMDb when you search for alien. Well, I mean, it's like searching for the word with, you know? It's got bad SEO, as they say. (laughs) The originator and the all-time absolute space horror classic. Go getting into that. Uh, what would you guys say the scare level is on this one? Fucking terrifying. Terrifying and existentially disconcerting. But oh yeah, all that. There's a lot about company about employee exploitation <laughs> themes of capitalism. The stupidest corporation this side of umbrella. Yeah, capitalism is definitely the, the unsung villain of Alien. We, we don't really learn all that much about the company until the next no. one, but it, it really does get that faceless corporation bit going on with Mother. It's confusing as to exactly what they thought a computer was at this point. But I can't talk about I can't talk about Wayland Utani as a faceless corporation without again wanting to make fun of Prometheus. <laughs> well, this that's the thing is that this movie this is before Wayland Utani was even like was called Wayland Utani. You know they yeah. they it's just the company. Yeah, it's just the company. So they might as well mm-hmm. just be like capitalism says we all have to die. Mm-hmm. We just have to do what capitalism says. So, you know, they're therefore existentially disconcerting because, mm-hmm. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a scary one. It's not on the spoopy, spooky side that, you know, a lot of our stuff we cover is. Uh, as far as I trigger mean, warnings, though, it's pretty straightforward. There's no, like, not a lot of rape or not a lot of, like, the... No, no animal death. Unless you stuff. count... Unless you count like the symbolic, like the, the the alien's physical design and how much of Geiger's art was all of, like just so about penetrating and impregnating yeah. and violating in that way. Like uh, the, the, the face battering ram. Yeah. Anatomy. Yeah. 
Yeah. But I, there's some suggestive stuff that happens too that it's, just, yeah. you don't really see, but you know, could be construed, but it's very much, you have to dig for it. That's yeah. true. It's not outright. It's sim- on the symbolic level. And for yeah. a movie that's generally like pretty scary, it really does pull a lot of its punches as far as gore. I, I'd mm. say the most, honestly, possibly the most unsettling violence is a choking scene that happens about like midway to two thirds through the movie. Yeah. Yeah. There's, and there's, there's, some, a, there's a little bit. Some choking, there's violent death, there's obviously a creature, there's mm-hmm. infection. Uh, mm-hmm. There is a bit of space horror in here, uh, which, you know, so there was a whole argument on uh, online. Trigger warning about for whether... bad shit. Trigger warning for bad shit happening to John Hurt. Oh, and of course, you know, lots of jump scares. And we should mention there's a lot of strobe lighting in this movie, a lot of flashing things that, uh, you know, some people may may have legitimate difficulty with. Um, I'm not super sensitive to that kind of stuff, but it did make me start feeling sick. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. like I'm not I'm not light sensitive in that way, but at a, mm-hmm. at a certain point as rewatching this movie, I've seen this movie a billion, billion times, but mm. not so much on the HD version. Oh, yeah. Um, and boy, towards the end of that movie, I was just like, uh. And Kathleen, yeah. this was your first time watching it in HD. Yeah, that's too, right. right. I haven't seen it since the freaking like 90s or something. And so the detail level was, it was like, uh, several movies that I've like watched recently that I hadn't watched since the nineties. And then it was like a, watching a whole nother movie. It's like, Oh my God, I didn't know they put this level of detail into the, this, the spaceship is insane. This is like such a ridiculously detailed craft. <laughs> this movie looks incredible to this day. Yeah. yeah. And it looks incredibly dirty. Like that, that's the thing that, in 4K became obvious to me is that like everything in this movie is filthy. Like it is so gross. There's a scene where it seems to me like a character is confused about whether slime is alien slime or just the ship's normal slime. I mean, I'm still confused about some of that. It is very confusing. This movie is very confusingly juicy. (laughs) Um, But I will say watching it uh, in HD I'm so used to watching it in like VHS mm-hmm. uh, yeah. quality, you know, which is interesting because there's a lot about this movie that is very, that, that um, kind of leans into the old fashionedness of the, you know, the, the clunkiness of the industrial design and the, uh, the rudimentary displays and things like that. Cause I mean, we had with Star Trek, I mean, Star Trek had been out, we had 2001 Space Odyssey, we have some other stuff. I mean, yeah, they weren't like the displays that we have now with like the holographic shit that we see in all these other sci-fi shows these days. The displays I feel, and the computers, I feel are deliberately chunky and noisy. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, every, everything is running on DOS in this movie. Yeah, it's true. Except for the Android man. Too. Oh, I was just gonna say, it's sort of DOS, but I also feel like it's, you know, like gears. <laughs> the kind of noises that it makes yeah there's a lot of noises that sound like uh like mimeographs or like you know old uh old daisy wheel printers and stuff like that that come out of the the computers let's do talk before we go too much into what's in the movie about who's in the movie um oh my god this This cast is fucking stacked so like director it's directed by ridley scott who also directed Blade Runner, Legend, Thelma and Louise, Gladiator, Hannibal, The Martian. We are, of course, talking about the movie Hannibal and not the mm. TV show Hannibal. 
Um, so <laughs> we're also talking about like, a career that spans several decades. And the, the writers on this, we have Dan O'Bannon, who uh, worked on Return of the Living Dead and Heavy Metal and quite a lot of other things, as well as Ramon Chassett who was on uh, Total Recall and Above the Law and Free Jack, which is an interesting combination of three movies. Um, we have to talk about, even though it's not really horror, we should talk about Free Jack. If you haven't, I'm just going to say right now, if you haven't seen Free Jack, go watch Free Jack because never ever will you see Emilio Estevez versus Mick Jagger versus Anthony Hopkins in cyberspace. The end. Like this is, and the cast of actors, this is a murderer's row. Yeah, there like, are seven people in this movie that's it that's the all seven movie. of them are academy award-winning like caliber actors mm. yeah i mean aside yeah. from these seven there is somebody doing the voice of the computer and there is somebody inside an alien costume but the seven people that are actually on screen are sigourney weaver tom Skerritt, ronica cartwright harry dean stanton sir ian holm sir john hurt and Yafet Kato, who recently passed away, but is really awesome in this movie. Wow, two S sirs. Sigourney Weaver, in what's pretty much her first role, aside from like a background role in a Woody Al in uh, Annie Hall, and just giving one of the most commanding performances of the 20th century. Pretty much yeah. everybody in this movie. I mean, there's. Th Certain characters are kind of given short ends of the stick, but everybody is on point. Some it, people this, act more than others, but yes. nobody, nobody acts badly. This movie could have removed the alien entirely and been a play about these seven people uh, traveling to Earth with having finished a mining job on a spaceship. Arguing ship. about their shares. And it, it would have been, it would have won a goddamn Tony. Probably. And, you know? In fact, it was a play, but I think it was a high school play. Gorney Weaver did show up and, and congratulate the students though, because it looked really, really good. I That's do remember adorable. seeing that. And the, the plot of this is very basic. And it's basically the plot of a mining ship is awoken from cryo sleep early to investigate a strange signal on an on an even stranger enemy or even stranger alien planet and then things go horribly wrong and just keep getting worse and this movie came out 1979 and i know i think star wars the first star wars was 1978 70s is that so it was it was right around the same time as star wars and uh mm -hmm. dan o'bannon had been working, I know he worked a little bit on Star Wars um, and he had recently done a movie called Dark Star, which I'll talk about at the end. Um, but this movie was kind of out of nowhere because you didn't have a horror movie in space so much going on that was this kind of elaborate film. And there's a lot of th things to say about this movie between Star Trek and Star Wars because the and, and 2001 Space Odyssey because you have these these foundations of spaceship interpersonal dynamic from Star Trek. The 2001 also, influence yeah. to me felt very much, especially right away. in the first like act of the movie. Mm -hmm. At yeah, the same well, time, it's very much like anti-2001 because everything in 2001 is super designed and super posh and super polished. Mm -hmm. And everything in this movie, like we said, is, is dirty. Like it's the blue collar version of 2001 which I, is very I feel like a lot of like the cinematography room. felt very reminiscent of 2001 mm -hmm. like the way it shoots space 
Yeah, well, I feel, 2001. I feel like that for the time was sort of the formula for the space world building where everything mm-hmm. was very uh, slow paced in terms of, you know, we're going to look at this technology in this world. We, we built it. You're going to look mm-hmm. at it. Okay? Yeah. And mm-hmm. I love um, that shit. And also the too. like. The, the, I feel like the tempo of space is, is like present in like 2001 Space Odyssey and and the beginning of this movie where it's like you have like uh, like years worth of travel like between yeah. your destination and where you know where you're coming from whatever like and and you're coming out of cryosleep it takes so long and so the like length of long drawn out quiet boring lengths of time like when 2001 space odyssey they filled them with classical music and um yeah in parts of this they're just like you know okay the background sound of the ship and just like you know the, they the, did employ a lot of like flautist and string players in this because there's well, a lot the of there's a lot of flutes in the beginning, especially. Oh yeah. <laughs> there's, um, there's this movie opens with just a lot of outer space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, yeah. In fact, but, let's jump into that. Let's go ahead and we'll we'll mark this as the end of the non-spoilery stuff, and we'll go ahead and jump into it because we we're already yeah. talking about the beginning of it, in which my notes just say it's space, yo. <laughs> <laughs> it's so There's space. A There's a lot of space. Um, oh, 14 billion light years of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it is. It is a, a, a space travel is a very long process full of big long pauses, mm. and I think that's what they try to establish here. I will also recommend that the scene is not viewed on the CRT screen ratio, especially <laughs> if it is if it is not letterbox. Because I was told a lie, <laughs> and that this movie was called a lay. <laughs> Someone dropped the ball there. Ali. Ali. Yeah. Oh, that makes that, yeah, is that like that it. sounds like the off-brand French version. Like we don't have Ali. Ali. <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's very I, long pans across space, and slowly it moves towards like you can see. The ship, which, like, as a shape thing, I still don't really know what the ship, what the shape of this. We ship never is. see their full ship, I don't think. Right? Yeah. Well, the design like... and layout of the Nostromo is insanity-inducing and nonsense. It's an absurdly huge ship Guys, for seven they people. They have an entire cavernous room that's just for wanton dripping and dangling chains. Okay, so. I have recently played the Alien RPG, which is—is is there an explanation for the drippy chain room? Yes, that's the cargo hold. That's the that's the cargo tug. Why is, it dripping why is it so drippy? much? It's okay. It has to My do with the air. So much. Why is it dripping? It's like, drip. is it okay to just drink that? This is just I, yeah, I know. Yeah. Somebody like puts yes. his face oh under it. God. I'm like, what? Do you know what that's from? Why Mary are you Dean getting showered? It's not going to get you. This definitely radioactive water is. Honestly. Listen, <laughs> honestly, we know where that water's been. I think the water comes from um, oxygen filters. Um, so it's condensation. Yeah. And oh. So, I mean, everybody in this That's movie- such a waste of water. You don't want to waste a single drop of water out in space, right? I don't know. Yeah, like, I think it's just part of that system. 
but you know there's a lot of things about this about the nostromo that they don't really talk about and that, like, where else are you gonna keep your dangly chain <laughs> yeah i mean maybe that's just the dungeon and they do a lot of like <laughs> chain work i don't know how else are you gonna stay fit i feel but, like his ship is operating with like five different technologies like levels on board yeah. at oh, that, the room, same time. that room fucking broke me <laughs> well, it's it's interesting too because there's you know there's a there's a juxtaposition of the crew quarters the um the uh, cockpit and all of the the random shit that is in all of the uh the cargo holds because you see stuff in the background that really begs questions like <laughs> that those look like shells those look like giant missile shells and then you feel like that those are chains um <laughs> say hauler quote unquote um like, so it's a it's a mining ship like it's, yeah. it's theoretically full of rocks that they're taking back to earth um yeah. a lot of okay, okay. processing a lot of guns um, lots of guns yeah i guess you have to shoot the rocks um, <laughs> that's how you them. break them <clears throat> The, the flamethrowers they do establish are Jerry Ray are Jerry Ray. Yes. They put that together specifically for incredibly ineffectual alien hunting. They still had but an awful cool lot of looking. weapons. Oh, yes, very cool. cool. Chains very cool. also are really good for um, controlling water descent because people have people use them for their gutters and stuff. I'm <laughs> so glad. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> because yeah. it's it the the water will will drop down the chain like drip down the chain more okay. you know it'll it'll have like a flow as opposed to just dripping even though that whole air room was just dripping anyway <laughs> they're not very worried about wasting water on this look, spaceship i know the real answer is in, because interstellar. yeah it's like look i know the real answer is because it's creepy as fuck and yeah. a great place to yeah. kill harry yeah. dean stanton <laughs> yeah but yeah. from the perspective of snarky podcaster i'm like hey I got questions about the drippy chain room. I mean, like, why? But that's the brilliance of the uh, of this whole movie setup and all the all the, the uh, sets and everything is that there's a lot of stuff there that really does beg the question, and mm -hmm. a lot of it, like, so <laughs> this whole movie when I was watching it um, the first dozen times, and I saw the little Purina Chow symbol everywhere, uh, those those five squares, right? And I was like, what? are they hauling cat food like what is going on now i it found out from space space cat food space cat food that's why they all, that's cat. why jones was there they gotta cat. have enough cat that's food for their part. cat yeah it's a space yeah. cat yeah. Um, actually flurkin food it's, uh, right right of course um however uh i found out later that that purina symbol is actually like a standard industrial uh, safety symbol and there's actually more of them on the ship if you can look around you know there's there's like symbols of you know person ladder you know and then i think that the um the this is this is by vague memory but i think that the the five red square safety symbol is like a an emergency exit or an exit symbol so that's why it's on all the doors uh, wow it's funnier if we make jokes about cat food <laughs> Yeah, so um, what what we get here is the not of not yet our room full of chains and water, but our, our room full of uh, cryo beds shaped into a yes. flower shape, where the uh, lights come on and all the cryo beds open, and people slowly come awake. They really had all the time in the world to just go ahead and pan through this scene, 
and mm-hmm. uh, let everybody gradually wake up. That's how Mr. Freeze and his homies wake up every morning. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think he's, doesn't he just stay in his cryo gear though? Well, yeah, he has a cryo bed and he gets out of his cryo bed in his cryo gear. Yeah, I I assume this is still working by Arnold Schwarzenegger rules where he presumably has a Mr. Freeze house that he can then take off his suit in and just chill with a ice cigar and frozen like bathrobe in. Yeah, so I like he has a cryo, not just cryo, it's just his bed. Yeah. He's got a cryo bed and a cryo chair and a cryo I toilet. feel like at that point it's less about That's the rough. bed and more about making a flower shape with your homies. He doesn't I mean, sleep. It's-, it's just a good place to chill. Ah. Uh, so we we start to move to breakfast and we get to meet the whole crew i want to go through everybody here and what exactly it is they do because i went through their i went through the process of actually looking all of this up because i was like what are these people's jobs in this movie yes um there is captain dallas who is played by tom scarrett he's in charge every line that uh, the dallas says could be replaced with uh all right, pipe down, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Stow the chit chat. Oh my God. Stow the chit chat. Um, we have First Officer Kane, Sir John Hurt. He's not going to do much. Um, John Willers. Hurt is both so much younger and yet also still vaguely middle aged. Yeah. yeah. That, man, that man was born with liver spots, I, I think. Like, he's just, <laughs> he just looks that old. Oh. He um, came out of the wound with a furrowed brow and like <laughs> he lo- like <laughs> he, he looks jaw. sixty years younger than you're used to imagining John Hurt, and he still looks like he's fifty. It's like young Lance Henriksen. Like Lance Henriksen always had like the 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 high hairline okay. and the lines mm-hmm. down his cheek. So, and then th- our third in command is our warrant officer Ripley, who is played by Sigourney Weaver. Anybody who knows anything about this movie already knows that that's the main character, but she is like basically second officer. Like she, that's her her job um, is to to be in charge and then quickly be uh, not listened to the first time she tries to give orders. Mm. Um, we also have our navigator Lambert, who is Veronica Cartwright. Uh, she sucks. Um, <laughs> Veronica Cartwright thought auditioned for Ripley. And thought she was going to be playing Ripley up until she got to set. Oh, man. Basically, Lambert's job here is to scream. Like, yes. Most oh, of what Lambert disaster. does in this movie. Scream and freak out and be completely the worst, like, positioned person to be on a ship that is inhabited, like, shortly to be a crisis zone. Yeah. yeah. To, to be so. any crisis zone, this person is not. And she's just supposed to be driving, I guess. That's I wouldn't driving. trust Lambert to plan a company birthday party. <laughs> this is the kind of person you have like like little like exams before you send a person into space. It's like to test their like what is space it like madness? emotional stamina. Yeah, like their <laughs> their like just capacity for things to just go really really badly and like if they had survived a week longer she would have stabbed somebody and then gouged her own eyes out like that's <laughs> she would that's have totally event horizon the... and they would have been like mm-hmm. how did that happen they're like i don't know she was in the cryopod the whole time <laughs> but she we're going it. also question does 
So Jones has to have his own cryopod. Do they have no, an extra? Do they have an extra cryopod? Well, Gordy puts him in a cryopod at the end, so I figure you put. She the shares cat it in with him. I don't think so. My, when I first saw the kitty, I'm like, did the was the kitty also in cryo sleep? Does the, is there a little kitty cryopod just for the kitty? Well, that's, I, I need to see this. That's the thing that is interesting that I noticed this this time that I watched the movie is that there's this weird bit in the very beginning of the movie where they get the SOS, quote unquote SOS. There are these emergency helmets, which I guess I don't know what they're if they're actually helmets or if they're like the the autopilot weird like yeah analogs. it doesn't make any sense the uh, computer screen is projected onto them like i don't know i don't know what that's mm. about it's just, it's a weird thing and i always wondered about it because they looked very elaborate but anyway um uh, chains what magnets. um but uh, as we as we slowly pan through the cockpit very slowly and look at all the things that yes, these yeah. wonderful crafts people have done and made in this film things move and shift in the background like something rocks back and forth and then some some pages turn on a notepad and i'm like is that jones wow is he just old (laughs) so yeah there's jones the cat we don't know what jones's deal is other than i I guess it comes uh, down to does dallas seem like the captain i i think jones was in cryosleep the question is was did they have an extra human like one for him or is dallas the kind of captain who won't do any repairs but will splurge on a special kitty cryo <laughs> i'm i'm actually pretty sure that dallas is sleeping with brett um we'll, we'll get to because first before we get to brett we have to talk about science officer ash who is played by sir ian holm doing the most acting yeah uh, oh yeah he is acting hard and it will only get harder as we go like i i Bilbo. love three at home in this movie bill bow brought it yes he is he is as far well i i wouldn't say as far from bilbo as possible but he's he's definitely the like uh post post ring but seeing the ring version of bilbo in this. like <laughs> well he just gets to play oh but i thought you were talking about samara ring <laughs> no no <laughs> I'm just okay now. I'm just imagining Ian Holm climbing out of a well. I mean, wearing a dress, <laughs> and then we have and rocking that dress. Then we have our, our our last two. We have Chief Engineer Parker, who is played by Yafet Kato, uh, and Assistant Engineer Brett, who is played by Harry Dean Stanton. Um, and they are they're basically the rude mechanicals for this movie. Um, I gonna, love they're, them. they're like straight up Shakespeare. It's like Bottom and his his guys. Mm. They're great. Parker spends legitimately the first fifty minutes of the movie, even after the alien has started appearing, uh, really just routinely demanding a raise, which he deserves. Yes, indeed. And I want to point out that um, Parker and Brett and Ripley kind of have the most personality among them. Like not to say that yeah. the other the other characters the other actors aren't acting you know like we've said that everybody's bringing their a game, and Ian Holm certainly, but the rest of these characters kind of have a single track where you know Dallas is like you know cut the chit chat, Kane is sad, uh, Lambert is a disaster, and 
Ash is weird. Like Ash is just recognizably, and and that's what really, really, what Ian Holm really sells with this role is just how freaking weird. Ash is like, I love the way they react to Ash before the twist because it's it feels like they can feel subconsciously that he's in the uncanny valley but yeah. they don't know it yet mm. yeah there's always mm-hmm. some weirdness like some uncanniness about ash mm-hmm. um like when he's and he does this little jog in place like he's you know you can see that his his weird irobot brain spoilers he's an android mm-hmm. his irobot brain is like howling it up you know like how and there's a lot of that that I didn't also didn't notice before where you really see like conflict without any real overtures about Ash's conflict being an android that is supposed to serve, you know, pretend to be human and serve a crew, but also like take care of the company and, you know, these conflicting programs, I guess, and how they just kind of mess with him. What's interesting but, to me is Ash doesn't seem to be trying too hard to sell that he's human. He's just like, yeah, he's it's... a real weirdo as a, as human beings go. Yeah. Like, yeah. And he, you know, in this first scene as they're eating breakfast and uh, Parker and Brett are complaining about stuff, uh, What'll happen is, is Dallas is going to go talk to Mother, the computer, and he's going to come back and say, like, oh, the reason they're awake early is they're supposed to go check out this strange signal that's coming from another planet. And, like, everybody else is a little like, oh, I don't know, whatever. Whereas Ash is like, oh, no, the rule book says, you know, I can quote ver- you know, page and verse about <laughs> what it says about, you know, we have to go check this out. This is legally part of our contract. It's like, He's sounding awful like a robot, buddy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> He's just a corporate shill. That's yeah. what the... I don't know if you said What's that. What's the they difference? Yeah. I don't know if you know them. They programmed to say, like, your mother sounds like a robot. <laughs> Executing then... WoodyComeback.exe. <laughs> mother is a robot. Speaking of, of mother, which is sort of our other character in this, the, the computer that they have to go talk to that takes up a whole room full of blinking lights. So um, many the blinking lights. The cleanest room in this ship. The only clean room. The in only this clean ship. room. Okay. Are, I've got to ask, are, from the alien RPG, is the Cerebra room full of blinky lights? Are they all super memory mega notes that by 1979 stairs could probably hold like two gigabytes <laughs> sure like, like is there an explanation for that in the rpg world or is it just like lights are fun but 19- i don't know i have to ask i would have to ask the uh the dm who is actually referred to as mother in the game so instead of oh your, my gosh in, in this game instead of saying like hey dm blah 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 you have to talk to the dm as mother um it's okay really, that's that would be weird, weird. <laughs> I, don't, I do not i gotta say not it's just like that my pants rpg oh my god ew don't say that <laughs> oh, gosh. although it being about infection uh, <laughs> i feel it's like i was kind of like oh this rpg sounds cool and then i'm like oh i have to call someone mother well, like, okay you don't have like, to call them mother but they're like <laughs> That's what their role is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not like Mother you is must... so strange because it's clearly like people making a sci-fi movie before anybody had really envisioned what the internet is. So like, yeah. This mother is sold as like an onboard computer 
but also is their communication with the corporation. So like it's unclear whether this is a functioning AI on the ship that's telling them what to do based on like either its own internal workings or information it's receiving from the corporation. It's a little bit like hard to tell what their thought process is there because they don't know how the internet will exist. Yeah. Um, Sometimes, yeah. The, the idea is that the mother is a mainframe that is mostly contained that has all of this information also runs a bunch of stuff on the ship. Um, A little bit of uh, tidbits here. Um, Mother is actually an anagram for something. Not an anagram, an acronym. Could be an anagram too, who knows? Yeah, I mean, like it definitely is an anagram for something. (laughs) Uh, But the acronym, (laughs) um, boy, uh, it's been a day. Um, The acronym is M-U-T-H-U-R. 6,000, which is sort of the nod, I suppose, to the HAL 9000. It says it was a 182 model, 2.1 terabyte. Whoa! Mainframe. 2.1 terabytes? I was going to say, like, in 1970s, like, probably two gigabytes would run that entire ship. Like, you know, the entire software of, like, the entire ship might be two gigs. Like, (laughs) it does what Nintendo don't. I don't know if I brought it up, but anytime old-timey memory storage comes up i'm forever reminded of the transformers comic where optimus prime's entire soul and essence of being fits on a single floppy disk (laughs) right that's that's the matrix they had invented matrixes equals souls that was in beast wars no i said in the movie i've had this argument before (laughs) (laughs) in the movie it's his is uh his it's already 9.30 and I am not going into a Transformers lore. <laughs> I, I am nipping this digressively horrified right in the bar. What happens here is, like I said, there's some arguing about whether or not they want to do it. And Ash quotes page and verse from the, the manual about uh, how if they don't do, if they don't investigate these strange signals from possible aliens, that uh, they, they will lose all of their shares. They will all be forfeit when they arrive home. So mm. uh, everybody is, is clear that they're going to go investigate this. And uh, they do so by landing poorly. Um, I feel like yeah. this begs the question, which is worse, being a robot or being a narc? Uh, I mean, both, yeah, obviously. He's a robot narc. Yeah. Mm. I mean, at least a robot is programmed to be a narc and doesn't make the like conscious decision. Yeah. To narc out people. I don't know. I feel like Ash enjoyed narking them out. I mean, mm-hmm. well, that's what Ash wanted us to. Th- I mean, I guess that's the same thing. Shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this bit is also interesting. There's a couple things here uh, when we talk about where Alien is, sits on the sort of timeline of sci-fi within its own franchise and within like sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Is that the company logo in this movie is not the WY of Wayland Yutani, which is what we recognize from the rest of the uh, the franchise, but some weird comedic wing design that looks like wings around a sun. It either looks like a, a comedic sun god symbol or it could be like a Pacific Northwest sun symbol. You can huh. see it on their uniforms and on their um on some of their equipment. So, you know, I don't know where that comes from. I haven't really done a lot of research into that. So I guess the crew probably got their ship from way, from the company. The drippy chain room yeah. is the company's idea. Yeah. Whatever that Somebody was about, else. the company 
you know. Why did we listen to Donnie in marketing? What the fuck? <laughs> so they they essentially crash land on the planet and uh, fuck up their ship so bad it's going to take uh, more or less a day to a day and a half to fix it. Okay, no, I love this. <laughs> this is one of my favorite bits of just like character is the engineers discussing amongst themselves that they need 17 hours to fix the ship and then telling Ripley that they need 25 hours. Yeah, and there's a, this is also like a Star Trek thing that you know that they've really like developed because in Star Trek everybody shits on engineering. Like command is always shitting on engineering, being like, work some miracles, work some miracles. And then in this movie, and the engineers acknowledge that they're the ones that are keeping everybody else alive and are still getting dicked because you know they're getting half shares. Yeah. But um they're they're sort of like bottom tier of this command structure. Uh, but they really, really have to to be cutthroat about how they speak to command because otherwise they're going to still get shit on. Um, it it so reflects so many corporate environment experiences that I'm so familiar with, and I feel like a lot of people would have been so familiar with of just dealing with management and just they're just within the company, even though they're gazillion miles from the earth. It's like. Yeah. Yeah, they're different dealing with just as much bureaucracy and nonsense and 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 dealing with it in the way that you do, which is like overestimating your hours and and so on. Yeah, and it's it's a really great um touch to this movie them to bring it that much more reality, you mm -hmm. know, because again, like we do have some some space, we have some exploration, but most of the movie is about the characters. You know, yeah. this this movie could have occurred in a factory. It could have been about a, a slasher in a factory and everybody's stuck in the factory. It, you know, the space element makes it a little bit more interesting and there's other elements that, you know, really bring mm -hmm. more to it. Yeah, this this movie um, really, really succeeds on those character dynamics. I, I also just thought it was really interesting how the movie just opens and they're all talking about money. And yeah. like the first conversation, they're talking about their bonuses and they're talking about profit and they're talking about what we will and will not do for money. And and that continues to be until their lives are at stake. Oh, yeah. Parker yeah. especially is focused. Yeah. Like, like John Hurt has an alien on his face crushing his windpipe and Parker's like, oh, I it says in the contract, I better get a full share for dealing with aliens. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, then like you also have Dallas, <laughs> where Ash is like, "Hey, Dallas, uh, something's different with uh, with Kane," and Dallas is like, "Okay, I'll, I guess I'll get over there," mm -hmm. you know. And uh, Ash thinks that he's in Star Trek, where he's like, "You better get down here, sir," and Dallas is like, "I was taking a nap." Aside from Ash, none of them were supposed to be here today. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's yeah. A that's the attitude they're all bringing into it. Kane is the one who seems most excited of anybody to be on this planet in the first place, other than Ash. Um, yeah. Which makes the whole, <laughs> having seen a lot of Star Trek, the makeup of the away team here is puzzling. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sending them out to the, out to the uh, strange structure on the planet to, to go investigate, they send Dallas, the captain, Kane, the second in command, and then Lambert, who's the navigator, what the fuck skill is she bringing to this thing? They like, know how to do button push. Yeah, and then they have like Ash sitting back watching them from the ship. Like, 
I, you know, I, I guess he's supposed to be like gathering all the data from all three of their, you know, helmets and everything, and and you know, working some sort of science. But like Lambert, yeah. why would I, the I science feel... officer want firsthand experience with this groundbreaking scientific discovery? Because yeah. the crew is expendable. And why would you send the the navigator who, as far as we know, has no like ground level skills and the first two people in command? Like, Let's be honest, as far I as know, we right? know, Lambert doesn't have any in space skills either. I mean, the, drove. yeah, it really, it, it really reflects how poorly equipped they are to be like explorers you yeah. know <laughs> actually that's a really if good this point. was a moving operator oh if God. this was like moving lambert skill would be has truck yeah yeah, yeah. i mean <laughs> we're what this is like if um like the the u-haul like some sort of u-haul <laughs> like professional u-haul workers were suddenly signed up to be like scooby-doo you it know would, it would be like if oil prospectors like were like told like hey you gotta go off of your oil rig where you just were out there just to get your millions you gotta yeah. you gotta deviate off of that because there's a world changing new species over here this is, yeah and they're like and but i was hired to make movie my where everybody is brian like <laughs> every character is brian <laughs> oh no that's tokyo drift Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no. <laughs> Except for Han. Huh? Han is Han and every other character is like dumb Brian. I, I guess uh, yeah. I guess Ripley is the Han in this, huh? Yeah. And so I, I feel like there's some there was some sort of element of this that was engineered by Ash because especially because of how like just nervous and like high strung he is about the whole thing. You know, getting in the chair and being like, oh yeah, no, do the thing. Yeah, just go back, go look at that very weird vagina thing. Go into the vagina. I know it's juicy. Shut up. I know it's ribbed for her pleasure. This entire ship. <laughs> yeah, I, this ship is. H.R. Geiger did spaceship. some design on this show, on this movie, and it's never more clear than looking at this ship and then at the alien itself. The ship is like just puzzling design. Like, what? Or I, it's unclear whether like it's a, a sh once you get inside, it feels more like a temple than a ship. It's, it's an really impossible like... architecture of impossible, mysterious origin and purpose or destination. It truly makes you feel like an infinitesimal speck in a completely horrifyingly unknowably knowable and large universe unless you're yeah. Kane. I, I, you say what's this weird hole i'm gonna go in here you guys stay up there i mean uh, makes sense, i was though. gonna say unless you then unless you consider prometheus to be canon i refuse i mean ridley ah! scott <laughs> ridley can't. scott also considers fucking blade runner to be canon hmm. i'm straight i'm serious Wait, what yes Ridley Scott was because apparently the Tyrell Corporation had something to had like had something to do with Wayland, and then that's where the that's why they have androids is because the replicants were like androids, and then I, also the movie Soldier with Kurt Russell is also. I'm excited for Prometheus, but so much of Prometheus exists to answer questions about Alien that nobody wanted answered. And in mm. no way make better. Yes, the lore what you're telling me 
is that Prometheus is the Joker of the Alien franchise. Wait, is Prometheus the one where, um, oh my God, uh, Magneto, what's his name? Scott. Uh, yep. What? Yep, no, yep. no, no, what, the, he's Fassbender. the android? But does he make out with himself in that one or is that Alien Covenant? That's Alien Covenant. Okay. Anyway. Um, <clears throat> the uh, teaser for Alien Covenant. Yeah, it's uh, what's his, what's Ooh, the name? Michael Fassbender, Fassbender makes out with himself. Michael Fassbender, <laughs> thank you, because I knew he had like a crazy name. Um, so H.R. Giger is a surprisingly chill person, um, <laughs> but okay. his work. I mean, when we talk about H.R. Giger, really, uh, creating a world. You know, what was H.R. Giger doing? Well he was doing he was just doing what he does which is like some of the most creepy alien shit and it's um there's a cool story behind this because uh i believe dan o'bannon ridley scott and h.r giger all kind of and chris foss who also was part of the um the spaceship design for alien um all learned of, of each other through alejandro Hodorowski um when Hodorowski was working on dune the the um mythical thing that you know that never happened but um the hr giger was was uh sort of discovered there before he was just doing crazy art and then he got into movies because ridley scott's like dang you weird <laughs> and then giger was like okay Hey, really, Giger. And so he made a lot of penises. And if, <laughs> apparently the, the eggs originally were not supposed to have that cross opening. It was just a slit. And then the producers of were like, that's a vagina. That's two vagina. I know we have vaginas all over the place, but this and, every, and things penetrating and, you know, the face fucker, things, I mean, face hugger. I know. On a scale of not things coming vagina. out of vaginas that are like, are we up? penis and a vagina together yes. we on a yes. scale of not a vagina at all to literally a vagina this is too much of a vagina yeah well they and they said this is too much of a vagina so he's like okay make another line to a vagina it's fixed like, i'm just imagining like i'm just imagining like the censor person just being that meme just throwing there's being like fine <laughs> Um, some producer of this movie had to say the phrase, I like vaginas as next as much as the next man, but <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but this yeah, this H.R. Geiger is not the next man. <laughs> no. No. Uh, um, so yeah, so Kane goes into the dark hole to investigate and finds uh Pink Floyd's extra uh, uh laser. Um it's literally <laughs> Pink Floyd's extra laser. They borrowed it from Pink Floyd. <laughs> Um, who they also talked to during the uh, production of Hodorowsky's Dune. Yeah, which all of this is wild. Finding out that that's actually like a laser from their laser show that they were like, sure, you can borrow it is, uh, is fantastic. That's, that's wild. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so Kane finds a lot of things that very clearly look like eggs. So he decides to shine a light on them and poke at them a bit and see what happens. <laughs> Until, Why? Uh, this is the same situation in a movie that we're not talking about, which is like, well, I have to say, Kane mess here, with the still performing better than a trained biologist. <laughs> oh. 
Don't joke. poke the hissing vagina snake. Also, at least in Alien, they were wearing their helmets. Yes. They were. Everybody in Prometheus was just licking everything and oh putting my god i had that thought i'm like as soon as i'm like man if they like, got to prometheus this? if this was prometheus they would have all taken their helmets off the minute they got on they were like ship. what's this weird alien planet full of spores let me get naked and roll around in it and put it in every orifice of my body oh my god <laughs> and it's yeah. not even as sexual as this movie and this <laughs> movie everybody was was protected but still managed to get face fucked by the alien <laughs> Yeah, so this, like this face hugger launches out of this this thing and goes like straight through his helmet. We don't really see what it yeah. does until um, Dallas and uh, I, I I don't know how Dallas managed to convince uh, fucking uh, Lambert to like help him carry Kane back, like because Lambert doesn't do anything else but then you know Lambert manages to to help him carry Kane back across this strange alien surface while they're wearing spacesuits um while he has something that has like penetrated his spacesuit and is stuck to his face um and they just like come up and just ring the fucking doorbell <laughs> and <laughs> at which point uh Ripley is like hey guys we're not letting you in. You have some sort of strange alien on your friend's face. Like, that's going to be breaking quarantine. Obviously, we can't do that. And uh, to which Captain Dallas replies, fuck you, we're coming in, we're going to do it. And uh, she says, no, I'm running this ship right now. We're not breaking quarantine and letting you in. And science officer Ash just goes ahead and lets him in anyway. Ripley's the only one who knows what movie they're in. Yeah, and and also... (laughs) If they drank their respect women juice, they would have been safe. Mm-hmm. Also, except for Kane, Kane would still be dead. Except for Kane, yeah. but you know he was dead anyway. Also, Ash very much actively sabotaging them. Ash sabotaging. Oh yeah, well yeah, it's can't stand it. He's on the planet. This yeah, and and this was even better protocol than Prometheus and fucking Alien Covenant. Anyway, at least they weren't licking it. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he was getting idiotically close to the twitchy egg of an unknown, very large thing he'd never seen. But I mean, I I can relate though, because I'm like, this is weird, and there's weird stuff, and this is cool, and you know, yeah, I, it I makes more sense would... than a hissing vagina sneak, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if it's like just sitting there when it opens, I would have been like, yeah. okay, this is a weird. They're, these two vaginas are opening and there's some <laughs> there's some incredible uh prop work here there's a lot of like chicken parts that are in these critters that make them just so gross like Ooh. deliciously gross and like Ooh. marbled weird veins of white grossness mm-hmm. um juicy i said mm-hmm. earlier mm-hmm. um a lot of juices um if this yeah, movie was an article of clothing yeah. it'd be yoga pants <laughs> Mm, God. <laughs> well yoga pants wick away it would be like cotton yoga pants oh, that no. just like absorb your sweat nah yes actually, actually no it would be a cotton thong this movie because of course it gets it gets all up in there <laughs> this movie and by the time is, you're it done with it it's has, just like a wadded up tissue it's 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 not um uh holding back on the fluids it's 
definitely no. I, getting in the fluids. It's, it's very moist. To this it's very moist. <laughs> it's very moist. It's so moist. I would say it's more than moist. It is. Yeah. It is like dripping. Yep. I mean, like a cake by, is moist. By the time the, by the, time <laughs> the full like size alien gets sponge. here, it will be gushing. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, but you know, one of my favorite moments is Dallas and the vent not knowing where the goo's from and whether it's from the alien or not. I don't know if that's a, I don't know. It's all silent, but that's how I interpreted the Is scene. it the alien or is this just our ship? Like, yeah, there's a, it's a very like, huh. It's, you know, you know, they just cut the part where Dallas says, I knew we shouldn't have had women on this ship. Just, you know. God damn it. Uh, oh my God. Yeah. Talk about cut song, am I right? And that, that, and that, that. Bam. <laughs> okay. So like, um, the, so basically, we have two things going on simultaneously, which is the engineers are fixing up the ship because Dallas wants to get the fuck off the planet. Meanwhile, they have a strange thing attached to Kane's face as he sits in the med bay, and they keep scanning it and poking at it in a variety of ways. When they try to uh, get it off his face, it tightens around his neck. When they try to cut it off, it bleeds acid through the floor, um, which is apparently something that they like came up with in a late draft of this because they couldn't like figure out why they didn't just cut it off his face um ah. which is like an incredibly good explanation for that yeah. that really like really does some cool things in especially the next alien movie you know it will come back mm. to be pretty important in aliens yeah um, and and the subsequent alien films um yeah. Did you want to tell Jeremy? Did you like want to tell the story versus about Predator and Alien talk... vs. Predator Two Requiem? Oh, shush! <laughs> How dare you? First of all, actually, Alien vs. Predator was Paul W. Sanderson, and um, I have complicated feelings about this that individual. But oh boy, Jeremy, there was a story about how they were trying to figure out how the alien got on the ship. Uh, yeah, so. I, I tweeted about this when I was looking at the um, the 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 stuff about this movie. Then in the initial drafts, like they didn't know how the alien got on the ship, and they hadn't worked out the whole like face hugger thing and all of that 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 happens in the like you know second act of this movie. Um, so in one of the versions of it, uh, the their explanation was, I don't know, the alien fucks one of them and impregnates them. Holy shit. So it's just and here we are today. No subtext. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's just the it's just raw the alien just raw dogs one of them and um, <laughs> I want to I'd like to imagine that they did film a scene of this rubber alien costume just going to town on John Hurt. It was oh, like, man. you know what? We we filmed the alien fucking scene. Test audiences didn't go for it. Yeah, this, this was and a test quote. well. Dan O'Ban and Ron Shusset ran into a writing impasse while trying to work out how the alien would get aboard the ship. Shusset came up with the idea, the alien fucks one of them. <laughs> uh. Wow. I love that it's oh. of the people... That it fucks. It's, uh, it's um, John Hurt. 
Yeah, John Hurt. Yeah, was definitely the biggest name in the cast at oh the time God. of this movie. Yeah. Wow. And, and, you know, with that final, you know, Hans Rudy, with that final design, they're like, we want the alien to fuck somebody. And he's like, okay, every part of it is a penis. <laughs> there are penises everywhere. <laughs> Where would you not like penises? It's a shorter uh, list. Because I put vaginas in those places. I'll put vaginas in the places where we do not have penises. <laughs> oh my God. Everything is either a penis or a vagina or a vagina penis. Oh, yes. <laughs> or some sort of teeth. I I love I love the interactions in these scenes between Dallas and Ash. Everybody else is just watching in horror. And Dallas is like, how do we get this thing off and save Kane? Can we try cutting it? And Ash's reaction to everything is like, well, fuck, why not? Let's give it a shot. Let's see what happens. <laughs> well, except when they're like, oh, it bled acid. <laughs> well, that's good to know. <laughs> Here's your and then pen everyone's back. like, oh, we have to do something. We have to stop the acid like from burning through all the holes. And okay, good. This problem just took care of itself. Good job, team. They would have been fun. They couldn't have done shit, Good honestly. Job, All they could anything. do is run and see, oh shit, it burned another hole through the floor. Oh, it goes to the next floor. Oh shit, it burned another hole. They would have been fucked if that had been just a little stronger acid. That would have been the end of their whole fucking thing. They would have yeah. like, okay, we have a hole in our spaceship now. Yeah, because yeah. Dallas made the excellent decision to fucking take off off of the planet before they had any idea what they were dealing with. So now yeah. whatever happens, they're in the vacuum of cold, dark space. <laughs> where where no one can hear you yeah. scream, like the poster. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Except everyone could hear you scream because it was all on comps. Except later on, there's a big explosion and it makes a whole lot of noise. That's in right. the ship. And it weirdly goes on like, it's like three, three layers of explosions, that's but that's later. That I have reasons, but no. I've I've like deep dived into alien lore. I didn't do it really? recently because that would have been boring. Nerds, you gotta uh, stop coming up with explanation for all the silly nonsense I find. Well, that's the thing too is that um, nerds. I know, <laughs> but um, the- I'm sure we will. We will come to this. Because I'm Why like, Batman- how many nukes you got stored on that ship, man? You. Why does Batman have a giant this- TX in the Batcave? Because it's a fucking giant T-Rex. It's red as hell. What more do you fucking want? And the nickel or the penny or whatever, the dime? It's all I don't know. super red. He should yeah. put more stuff in that cave. Why do they have chains? Because it's cool. Because <laughs> they're goth and they want a chain room. Well, I'm just imagining how much extra they're spending on fuel to keep tugging around the chain room. <laughs> I, I mean, the chain room is obviously the actually chain room is where you to do the tugging. Yeah, there you go. Um, again, got to stay in shape. Um, <laughs> I, love I mean, really they have sweaty, a though. cat on board for, I guess, emotional companionship reasons. I'll so I guess this. the chains are like in case they want some bondage action. I mean, you got to have a little bit of everything when you got seven people all alone in the vacuum. Of I'd say I'm worried about your sex life and it involves like tying people up with chains, but you're my partner. So I feel like I'm already there. <laughs> I mean, this is the corporation, of course, planning ahead for every contingency. Yeah, they're trying you know, to provide for their employees. Crews. Yes, yes. <laughs> we can't have our employees getting bored. Yeah. It's funny looking at like 
stuff about the production of this movie because apparently like there was more sex in the original version like they they cut out the actual sex uh because apparently dallas and uh and um uh, ripley have oh, sex ripley. at one point in you know uh, I really yeah. thought was, we were robbed Parker and Harry Dean Stanton just getting on in the engineering. <laughs> I mean, they do. They're, they're pretty juicy again, everyone. Um, I will say though, on like, I guess a more serious note, not that we need it, but um, the, the fact that everybody, not just like the dynamic, but also the sound design of this movie is really interesting because everybody's kind of talking at once and it's a very very casual feel to it um even though everyone's like just weirded out as fuck but it feels very real it feels very genuine in terms of how they're just so confusedly trying to follow the these inexplicable events you know and and if you really step back from it um there is something very believable about all their behaviors you know, except for Ash, who which some, we yeah. explained later. <laughs> oh, Ash is, Ash is a fucking narc. <laughs> well, yeah. you also or know anyone that's that into the company line? I don't fucking trust because it's such a relatable experience to just be having to carry out these nonsensical orders because your superiors just refuse to give you any context for what's going on. Yeah. Um. So we have the creature bleeding acid and everybody's like, well, shit. What and then there's a really great scene with Ripley and Ash where Ripley's like, so what's, hey, Ash, science guy, what the fuck is this? And he's like, I don't know, it's cool. And she's like, huh, so how do you kill it? And he's like, I don't know. I don't know. It's really tough. It's a, t- it's a tough son of a bitch. And she's like, and you let it on the ship. Pew, pew. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just like, she, I sure did. She keeps being the only one who knows what movie they're in. Primary objective accomplished. She's like, you know, we could all not all die. And yeah. everyone's like, but That's we're not just. the primary objective. <laughs> you guitar solo EXE. But we're just <laughs> ignorant of the possibility of ourselves dying on this. Well, Ripley's like, thing, let's it? all not die. And Dallas is like, stow it, Ripley. There's important <laughs> things going on here. <laughs> yeah, well, the, in this scene, this particular scene, Ripley says, you know, I was in charge of the ship. Like, when they're not on the ship, I'm in charge of the ship. And Ash is like, I forgot. Ash is like, and oopsie. She, yeah. I and broke then the chain like, of command. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Yes, you broke the chain of the command. That sucks. Whoopsie but also, there's quarant- did you forget the quarantine protocol, Mr. Like, the company needs us to go investigate this bullshit according to Article 5, Section 12 of blah, blah, blah contract? And he's like, oh, no, I didn't forget. And she's like, so you broke the rules on purpose. And he's like, shrugs. Mm-hmm. Um... <laughs> me <laughs> and uh um we do what and, we and dallas is we can <laughs> dallas is trying to go back into his 2001 space odyssey zone when ian holm i mean ash is like sir you better get down here um some weird shit's happening yeah and dallas is like 
crewmate dead maybe i don't know sigh oh yeah we get that like what's the update mm, it's easier to show you how about you fucking tell me yeah like we have comms yeah like the update the update would be easy to say because it's uh i don't know where the alien is but it's not in yeah. space anymore alien has <laughs> gone and he's doing better that's it that's well, the update. at this point he's just laying there and they go in to investigate and as with every scene where they're trying to find the alien in this movie, they don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead, the the facehugger, the facehugger out hides and seeks them while it's dead. Like it falls yeah. out of the light fixture onto Ripley. That's dead. true. <clears throat> God, it, they they never find it when they're looking for it. The alien always finds them, even when it's dead. It's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean, only, I know that there's a lot of penises and vaginas, but H.R. Giger really did a fantastic job of combining everything creepy, like, with the, with the face hugger, where you have, you know, not only is it a, a face fucker, essentially, and they couldn't call it that because they needed to make, you know, toys for children, apparently. Um, which is true. <laughs> they made toys for children. Yeah. Um, and then Ash is but, like, let's cut into this fleshy bastard. And it's yeah. a real, like, it's a real weird situation going on inside of that mm. thing. It's like, oh, yeah. this, is, this is unnerving and disgusting. It's like a bunch of chicken livers and also a spider and also a worm and also a snake. Yes. It's all <laughs> the like, things that we don't want on our pizza self. Pizza. <laughs> 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 on our, our face. Pizza toppings. Don't want Look, if snake, I went to spider, sa- tentacle, If I went to liver. Joe's by the slice and they gave me raw chicken livers, I'd be like... I want my dollar twenty-five back. <laughs> uh, I just hope that they didn't have on uh, John Hurt's face. They didn't actually have like raw chicken inter- intersecting I mean, with. That I don't... really feels like the level that some of the stuff in this in this movie is working at. Because what what we'll see next, our next update is that uh, the same the same thing happens. Where finally Dallas is like, "Fuck it, I'm I'm going to go uh, sit in my room for a bit." And uh, then they, they call him back because uh, Kane is fine. Kane is up and walking around again and he's hungry. They all go have a, a great dinner. And then Kane decides to roll around on the table a bit. Um, okay. But what are they eating? It looks to be mostly cereal. And noodles. It's like cereal and chow mein. Yes. But That's right. Yeah. We see that in these classic buckets. combo. Like yeah. Tupperwares. Which I think there's something very, also very relatable about being in a in a corporate situation or like a, a company situation, maybe blue collar, and everybody kind of sitting around a table eating, you know, takeout food or something like that. Space but, leftovers. Nah, space, yeah, it does seem like space, space leftovers. leftovers. Um, but uh, okay, two things. One, the uh, the fact that Kane is like, I had this. They were asking him like, what did you remember? And he's like, I had a dream about smothering, and and he no. has. A, Pregnant oh. pause where you're like, sorry, did you say pregnant pause? Yikes! Yes. Yikes! Sorry, I I, I say that That's a lot, true. but this time it was not meant as a uh, a pun. But thank you. I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, no, but that's true. I didn't, didn't notice the way that pause. Yeah, uh, he's like anyway. Right. Oh my um, god. The second thing, and this is a, I guess, a, a little more of a well known well known story, but apparently none of the other actors knew that this was happening their shocked reactions felt incredibly real yeah so 
Um, John Hurt knew that he was going to do this thing, but none of them knew that this was going to be happening. They just had like a vague idea that this was a scene where there was an alien, but they didn't know it would be busting out of his chest. Um, They they didn't know what the practical effect was going to be because they they actually attached this thing to his chest and it's actually full of like dead animal meat, like chicken livers Um, and and other meat stuff in there. So according to Sigourney Weaver, it made everything stink horribly. But like, it's real like guts wow. and stuff coming out of him in wow. the scene where the alien bursts out of his chest. I, I didn't know wow. that part. It's a classic wow. for a reason. Huh. Talk yeah. about actually horrifying like, this people. Is, I mean, uh, the chestburster scene. According, according <sighs> to people talking about this, they, they filmed this scene and then Yafet Kato left went home and did not talk to his wife for the rest of the day. <laughs> like just oh. it was like just traumatized by this scene. Like <laughs> that's a scene. Yeah. And then they asked him to come back and film another take. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a scene you only get once. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they, uh, they apparently, it was done in two takes apparently. Oh my Because God. it didn't quite get out the alien didn't quite get through his shirt the first time. Like it oh my burst God. through. So they used stuff from both of the takes, but like they had to film it a second time because the, the creature didn't actually get through the shirt. Um and they had so they had to, you know, rip it and do it again. Wow. Um, makes sense with the pacing of the scene though, because you have like this chaos, this chaos, this chaos, and then it it climaxes, so to speak. Um <laughs> And then, then the alien just kind of comes out and he's like at them, and they're all just staring at it. Um, yeah, yeah. They're all like, the alien takes off, and then everybody's like, "Oh, we should have killed that. We should have killed that thing. Where did it go?" Um, yeah, Kane is very dead, so they launch him into space. Um, very unceremonious funeral for this dude. Yeah, the, the sound effects here really are, are something else because it's like they open it up and it's like, like just yeah, it sounds like they launch him into space. Yeet the corpse. Yeah, it's it's definitely like they shoot Spock out of a torpedo tube, <laughs> and it still is less like abrupt than this. Like Spock is on the Genesis torpedo and in. Or at the god or whatever. None of this felt like a dignified way to dispose of a body, but I guess now we're following quarantine. (laughs) Yeah, but I also feel like they just, none of them were ready for this shit. No, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's the that's the thing about this movie that I that is so good is that it's Lambert's one character trait is not ready for this shit. Yeah. Which I mean. That she didn't sign up for it. And that's another thing too, is that you have a lot of these other, like all these other sci-fi movies that have been happening, just even pre-Star Trek, everybody who is a space traveler is like military or trained or, you know, except for maybe- Into an academy um, of some sort. Yeah. Or ex- well, even um, Dr. Smith or whatever the, whatever the fuck his name is on, on uh, Lost in Space. Even though he didn't want to be there, he's still trained and stuff. This is the this is a oil rig ship that are made yeah. to do two do two things: oil and ship, and that's it. <laughs> you it's know, that way that 
aliens is able to so seamlessly escalate yeah. in both the scope of the antagonist, but also the capability of the protagonist going from a crew that has no idea what they're in for, isn't completely over their heads, has no real means of fighting back versus, you know, the crew that is still completely fucked except for Ripley uh, is still nominally trained, armed, prepared, the people you would want to be fighting these aliens. And it's just, I, it's just such a great lesson in just all the good ways to do a sequel. Just yeah. knowing all the way, all the elements of the story that have already been told and finding new things to tell. Yeah. I and mean, what's, what's surprising to me in this next bit is like, so they rig up flamethrowers and they get some uh, flashlights to wander around and they split up into teams and you have Ripley, Brett and Parker uh, on one side and, and Ash, Dallas and uh, I, I keep forgetting her name. Lambert. Um, Lambert. Lambert on the other team. And you would think Ash, Dallas and Lambert would be be useless <laughs> like that's the team where everybody's gonna die uh ash doesn't actually want to kill the thing lambert is useless um but our, our actually like pro staying alive team is is the ones that uh we end up following um and first they find jonesy the space cat um hey, space who, cat. who has found himself locked in a locker just like any cat would locked in a cupboard I mean, imagine going through that. I don't. I don't know. They, the cat may have still been on the uh, the the cargo hall while they went down to the planet. Um, this cat just instinctually knows where to go to survive. Yeah, but like all that noise, I imagine a cat would not be happy with the. What's, what's incredible to me is that the that cat's uh, in the, space. It's definitely not happy. Cats yeah. don't belong in space. <laughs> well, neither yeah, do people. Oh, for me is the the fake out cat scare is such a like such a horror trope they managed to take it take it all the way to space <laughs> i'll take this cat to space and you're like well um, we can still have a cat accidentally jump out of something when we think it's an alien look good news if we run into any mummies we'll scare it away with our space cat <laughs> well the alien does not eat the cat now when i first saw this movie my my stomach was clenched Mm -hmm. um tighter than those uh actually yeah much tighter than those air duct vents but um <laughs> the this cat is the the alien's lowest priority um yeah and, yeah um now the only reason that i can think of that this cat other than being a purina cat chow uh mascot being on this <laughs> ship is for just in case since it's a big ship and you know i don't know obviously their quarantine protocol isn't great and maybe they have rats you know space i was also wondering i'm like what is the purpose of bringing a cat into space that's like i guess like companion animal is the only thing that makes sense unless the ship has rats yeah i feel like they they imply somehow that he is uh that he belongs to um some one of the members of the thing i think they imply that he belongs to brett like brett knows it's here it seems like ripley doesn't know that there's a cat on board and is very surprised yeah. by this cat um they they and then uh, ripley like when the cat the cat scares them and then runs off 
And Ripley's like, go find the fucking cat, Brett. Like, and the two of us are going to go find the alien. You go get the cat. Well, I feel like that whole scene, the reason that, because they were all, you know, set up to, to catch the alien in the locker. Mm-hmm. And Brett was the one who kind of dropped the ball in that maneuver because he didn't net the cat because they were going to net the alien. But when he saw that it was the cat, he was like, oh, it's just the cat. You guys, why, why are you guys freaking out? And everyone's just like coming down from panic, being ready to like catch this thing. And so I feel like Ripley was just so exasperated that she's like, Brett, you're the one who uh, dropped the ball on this. You go get the cat. And I, I feel like they've, because they have the cat earlier in the in the scene, sort of in the background as they're like eating or whatever. So I feel like they know that there's a cat, but then, you know, they're always forgetting about the cat because it's, a, you know, big cargo hauler and they're, they're freaking out because, you know, their crewman died and all this whack shit is happening. <laughs> they take the, the flamethrower and the flashlight to go off and find the alien and leave Brett to wander around in his cargo hold full of chains and water. Um, <laughs> The dripping water that he's he's going to like in this scene take a shower in water that is dripping from somewhere else on like the he's spaceship. Just escaped from fucking Shawshank. Yeah, and then they <laughs> let it run into his mouth. I was watching this and I was like, I I don't I don't care where that's coming from. That's disgusting. Like Yeah, I know, right? Like maybe maybe letting it run over you, you're on a dirty freighter, cool, that's fine. But the moment yeah. you open your mouth, I was like, yeah. oh God. No, no. again. Do you think Ridley Scott was like, no, no, it's totally cool. I got clean water. Don't worry about Harry Dean Sanchez drinking. Or do you think Harry Dean, they were doing the scene, Harry Dean Sanchez started looking up and opening his mouth and they're like, oh, Harry Dean Sanchez, don't do, uh, look, if he's doing it, keep filming, keep filming. Look, we'll tell him after the set. We'll do it. We'll tell him after the take. Water cleanliness standards have changed through the last like 40 years. So it's because of this movie. Well, Everybody watched this and they were like, we should make sure that water is clean. That's eh. that's awful. That was the real big takeaway of this movie <laughs> when it came out. Really, mm-hmm. most critics just talked about its statements on water safety. And then it was only years later, it became a cult classic for its monster scenes. <laughs> it, it I don't know. I feel, like, theme. I feel like if they were, if they took the, uh, the water safety element uh, seriously, we wouldn't have some problems that we would be having today in this country. Uh, but anyway, you're talking uh, about the fluoride mind control. I get you. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to get into that. <laughs> now that you're, no, I'm kidding. So while we're at it, chemtrails. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Brett then finds a shed. What is clearly the shed skin of this alien thing, and his reaction is to look at it, poke it a bit, and then keep looking for the cat. Which like questionable life choices, like. <laughs> Even if Harry Dean Stan is cat. a Hawaiian shirt wearing space engineer, working for, space some, engineer. working for someone right. at least a decade younger than him right. for half a share. I want to know the prequel, of, like the Brett prequel. Like, tell me the life decisions that led you to space mining, Harry Dean Stan. Right. It's not like he's a uh, parrot or anything. Yeah, so this is, um, yeah, of course, this is this is Brett's last scene because the alien slowly uh, drops down and unfolds itself behind him. And we only get to see a, a real little bit of this very, very moist alien as, <laughs> as he unfolds himself 
and so lets out his second set of jaws within his first set of jaws to uh, to clamp into Brett's throat and and kill him. Uh, and Brett Brett's body is never seen nor heard from again. And Jones, it's interesting because Jones looks on almost impassively uh, as Brett is dying. We see this close up of Jones, even That's though Jones true. knows. Yeah, Jones knows that the alien's there because he's freaking out and he's like, mm-hmm. um, and Brett's like, no, it's just me, buddy. And then the alien's like, hey, what's up? Um, Jones, no fucks given. I mean, <laughs> pew, 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 deal with it. Selected Diddy fucks gi- given. He gives no fucks. <laughs> Jones is like, no that's, fucks, that's, Jones. That's, that's what they call that cat. I just read it as like the kitty is watching the same as same as us. It's just like yeah. I'm transfixed right now at how horrifying the, the, this is. I do want to like shrug. <laughs> Nothing I can do. It's like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's what happens to humans, I guess. Yeah. Um, now, the if you haven't seen the other alien movies, there is a certain trend that is picked up uh, where the aliens, each alien movie has a slightly different alien design. And this, this movie um, introduces the alien design um, as being relatively humanoid in terms of the body structure, very long and thin, but, you know, easily construed as a person, you know, like a person in a suit could play this alien. Mm-hmm. There's some weird shit coming out of its back. Um, it's very draconian. It's got like a tail um and then it has this big phallic head yeah, now upright, if, two arms two legs no eyes mm-hmm. yeah no eyes a uh, mouth and a striker mouth now most of the time we see aliens and they're sort of a matte or not a matte opposite of bat shiny very slick juicy black right. um you know lubed up if you will and um in this case the alien has kind of a transparent head um which if you know there's a lot of like natural uh vague inspirations for this because you know they've really put together a lot of uh horrifying horrifying sea creatures into this design um there is a kind of fish actually that has a transparent head and you can see its eyeballs and its brains and stuff and and the alien actually if you look you can see a. Um, this is why everything in anglerfish territory leave it the fuck alone. Yeah, they yeah. exist in a place where no light, specifically, so no one will see that yeah. shit. Let's uh, let's give them the privacy they've evolved <laughs> into demanding. Like, exactly. Let's not look at their see-through eyeballs. Yeah. So this alien is, uh, you know, big anglerfish energy, except for the fact that anglerfish are all b- about baiting, and this alien is, you know, just gonna find you. Yeah. Um, and but you can see that there's like a, a human skull somewhere like a human-esque skull somewhere underneath that that filmy head um and the strike there was a literal skull in that yeah. first alien that did that geiger stuck in there Plus yeah the actual human skull is in there yeah and then um the striker mouth is white which is a a tapeworm-esque because the striker mouth comes from like worms and stuff the the white of the striker mouth feels so gross because it's worm-like and it's also like the inside of the mouth of an alligator where you have this like big tough horrible creature and then it's big like pale pale maw opens up there's a lot of really great color dynamic and contrast dynamic with this design and also you know the the white the whiteness the juices we can talk about that or we can just you know let the subtext be 
subtext. Um, <laughs> no. Right, Actual. right. Anyway. What does the alien Jew, what does the robot Jew symbolize? I was just thinking about the drippiness of the robot. What that might be getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> Even the robot is very juicy. Yeah. It's yeah, a very drippy one more robot. Before we get there. All right. Um, yeah, that's a little getting ahead. First, we have to go through the sphincter vents. Yeah, yeah, there's the sphincter vents. There's a part here also where Ash literally calls the alien Kane's son. Oh, I that. it's in the that subtitles. Some, like, so that's oh, some fucking is? Ian Holm as shit. That dialogue's Ian Holm as shit. He's like, I love that. Um, Ripley and Parker describing the creature to Dallas, and they're like, oh, it's huge, and I don't know, and blah blah blah, and they're just they're they're just freaking out about it and then ash is like kane's son hmm. everyone just, just looks at him like what the fuck this is why no one likes you ash this is why you don't get this is why you don't get invited to the crew drink like get togethers even though there's only two living quarters rooms <laughs> he's never yeah, it, text Actually, and then he, Dallas he still, is like he still has to be in the room because there isn't like other rooms, but uh, but like he just gets to know that he wasn't invited. Dallas <laughs> not allowed to participate. Is uh just cuts cuts the chit chat at this point. Um and tries to talk to mother who and he's like, Mother, um how, how it's like when you go into Google and you don't say it right and you're just too lazy to like try other versions of how to say it. And Google's like, what to do? Yeah. <laughs> Yahoo answers. I have alien <laughs> on my ship. <laughs> yes. Crew is dying. Case... What to do? <laughs> but at Crew least when Yahoo what answers, do? you'd get a response. It would be a bananas <laughs> response. Says, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, here's what you do. You go to that alien. You tell it to an alien. <laughs> I'm not going to let you boss me around. <laughs> Yeah, you got to alpha. You got to alpha that alien. Right now, that alien thinks you're you the You got to egg the alien. <laughs> this is a place where a bim bam would actually come in handy because their advice would be to pack your shit and leave town. Yeah, you pack <laughs> shit is, and move away. Which is eventually the, the plan they go with. Yeah, eventually they figure that one out. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but uh, yeah. yeah, mother thinks that she's playing a um, a text RPG. <laughs> Yeah, mother. Mother does not know. Um, An alien killed our Harry Dean Stanton. What next? And so, <laughs> and so Dallas is like, "Here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna take a flamethrower into a very small vent, and I'm gonna chase the alien around. Uh, I want <laughs> you guys to close the doors behind me so that they can't get out. And I'm a little unclear what my plan is for the rest of you guys." But I think it's to be in the the hold where we're gonna flush the alien out at the end, which doesn't make any sense. Also, um, very important. Profit. We need to not know how the z-axis works, <laughs> right? <laughs> there. Oh my god, DOS Windows freaking interface did not show a z-axis. Was the yeah. end of that man. The, the, they must and have the been best part of this is that they will use the same gag in Aliens. To even more effect, like oh my god, because aliens will do the same thing with like the vertical axis not being part of it. It's like the aliens are right on top of us. Why can't we see them? Oh shit! Open the open the roof. Oh no, there's there's, there's aliens more there. levels. Yeah, it's like there's oh three god. dimensions. God. Once um, again, 
a fatal flaw was lack of depth. It's like Pac-Man has more <laughs> detail than their freaking screen. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. Oh my I'm god! Just, now I'm just picturing the little alien head going through. Yes, yeah. So Ash decides, or Dallas decides, that he's going to wander through the vents uh, with a flamethrower. He spends a lot of time flamethrowing the room in front of him, and then drops into a uh, drops into the middle of a you know three-way section and flame throws one direction and it turns out the alien was standing right behind him and uh that is the end of dallas who dies off screen after a, well no a i feel break. like we got to give more blame to lambert for this one <laughs> yes because yeah. lambert starts paying it's like run away officer dredge it's coming right towards you get away get away get away get yeah. out and then so dallas runs yeah. down like meanwhile the alien is nowhere actually in sight so dallas still just runs away trusting her goes down this ladder and there's the alien right in front of him here's the other thing is that right before the alien catches him she sees the alien coming from a direction that she does not specify when she's like it's coming after you and he's like well i've got a few Mm -hmm. options Mm -hmm. i guess i'm gonna choose one arbitrarily Oh um, so I guess this is all on Dallas again. I mean, Dallas and Lambert both well, Lambert, a little bit. Lambert clearly never took any like acting classes in school where they had to like describe where things are to other people or you know tell tell them what to do, you know help help them move while they're blindfolded, things like that. Uh, <laughs> Dallas never did any of that. I just uh, imagine like the selection Lambert committee of this space crew and it's like okay we just need someone who can fly a gigantic spaceship our selection our, our choices are not infinitely large here um here's the thing about this yeah is lambert her job is navigating a spaceship or navigating with a spaceship a thing which necessarily requires three dimensions I like it's not driving. No, I like the idea that the (laughs) that's right. No, Jeremy, I like the way you said it the first time, where the Nostromo is just so goddamn stupid, complicated that they have to have a full time navigator whose only job is to help people get around their own ship. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I mean, with with uh, with Lambert, I feel like she's just so used to pushing buttons, and now she's like, I have to describe what I do. (laughs) Shit. I mean, you know, those cryo tubes. Who knows what if, that shit does to your brain? If there Lambert you ever ever gets an office space style, so what exactly do you do here? <laughs> She's <laughs> fucked. Uh. <laughs> I mean, and her brain makes those noises that mother makes. That jaga 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 jaga. So that I think this is probably the best like jump scare of the movie is is when. Yeah. Like he he falls he jumps down this tunnel and like he spins and you see the alien behind him just before he sees and it. And the and alien literally does like this. It's Jazz like hands. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> like classic monster movie with its arms like with its claws up. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> if only it went. Uh, <laughs> it jazz hands him before it punches him in the face with its <clears throat> battering ram mouth. Yeah. Oof. Um. <laughs> So, yeah, so that's that's the end of Dallas. He, yeah. he pulls a full on Muldoon. He doesn't he doesn't get to say clever girl, but you know it's basically the same ah, thing. yeah, um, clever alien uh, 
or just not clever colleagues yeah, giving me directions <laughs> around my <laughs> shit. Yeah. Uh, which, um, which now puts Ripley in command and Ripley's not going to take any more shit. She's going to go talk to this computer directly and figure out what the hell is going on. She's like, so, cut the chit chat. It's glorified yeah, Alexa. Cut the chit chat, everybody. Um, uh, she's on top of it and she goes in there and then when Mother's like shrug, she's like, no, really. Let's <laughs> the query slightly to find the wording proper and she actually gets a response yeah mother's about, like no nope, i can only a- tell the science officer that and ripley's like no mother i'm fucking in charge here like tell me and the to to my great surprise the computer's like all right I know, uh right. i said that the rest of you were expendable and then he should find the alien and make sure it makes it back spills the entire i do beans. love that whole back and forth between ripley and the computer like it's classified. Override the classified. Mm, do it. Okay. <laughs> I guess Dallas didn't give a shit enough. And yeah. that is that is kind of valid, though, because like Dallas at the very beginning when Ripley's like, why are we doing, why did you let Ash do all this shit and like basically get our boy killed? And um, Dallas is like, whatever the company does, we want us to do, we do it shut up yeah dallas is not asking questions dallas is asking for instructions yeah those are very different things and um and ash does the creepiest least socially aware possible thing which is it is revealed that he is standing directly behind her looking over her shoulder and he's like oh there's a there's a great explanation for this this was honestly my favorite jump scare of the movie (laughs) (laughs) it was also slightly hilarious sitting at home oh no yeah, Side- I mean, he was such a weirdo. It was terrifying. <laughs> Side question about him is, is indeed, it, as I remember, the first time we see him eating or drinking anything when he's drinking that glass of milk. Is that the only time we actually see him eating anything? I, I can't remember drinking That's a good anything. Point. That yeah. jump scare might be, that jump scare is probably him just appearing in Mother's Light Up, like Light Bright Pod. Uh, <laughs> it's probably scarier on the rewatch knowing what he's about to do yeah yeah because yeah. the first time he's just like Ugh. yeah um yeah it's like the it's fucking the office how the fuck did you get here it's like those 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 memes with the soon you know he's <laughs> just right there soon. <laughs> soon. yeah <laughs> um yeah ripley learns that the whole crew is expendable and uh it's like all right i'm gonna go fucking tell everybody else what else is going on here and Ash, Ash does go full on Hal at this point. And mm-hmm. it's like, I can't let you do that, Ripley. <laughs> and he, he starts sweating milk. <laughs> he sweats milk. And yeah. then <laughs> um, hits him and he so just starts gross. like just white shit starts coming out of his. Eh. Yeah, well, he he you can see that like I robot like weird sort of um, program uh, schism going on with him. Like you can see that he's conflicted a little bit like his. His shit is is starting to to glitch out, you know, and and that's where Ian Holmes, um, his performance really is stellar. Where he's just oh my god, absolutely. oh yeah, oh, yeah, it's so creepy. And he's like he's like his he's blinking a lot and all this kind of stuff as he's like also very decisively um, going after Ripley. Now yeah, he's throwing <laughs> Ripley around, which mm-hmm. I, I imagine it's, I imagine it can be very I uncomfortable. Giving him a lot of like credit here but i imagine that's a certain amount of credit due to sigourney weaver here as well because she is 
significantly larger than Ian Holm. Like she is, yeah. He's like five eleven. He's a small man, um, and he's just like throwing her around. So she's mm. got to be physically cooperating. I, I feel like by the end of this movie, this movie has shown us just how athletic Sigourney Weaver is. Oh, yes. totally. Yes. The yeah, other thing about Sigourney this... Weaver you won't see by the end of this movie. <laughs> and <laughs> not can a lot. I, not can a I lot. tell you? I was shook. <laughs> um, yeah. Future yeah, underwear, am I right? <laughs> I I have a lot to say about that. But um, when we get there, when we get there, yeah. yeah but speaking so, of which, yeah, now Ash starts choking him, choking her out with a with a magazine with porn. With a porn magazine, that's like an interesting point. This that's... old white corporate dude. Wow, Here's her with porn. Question. Wow, whose porn do we think that is? Oh, that's definitely Brett's. Okay, I was gonna say my money is also on Harry Dean Stan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're unanimous on Brett. Okay, good. Yeah, I, I imagine, I imagine Parker has. A couple of porn magazines, like he does not leave there. them openly lying around. He's not wallpapered his entire room with porn. <laughs> yeah, which is, which is what is going on in this room. Oh I want, I want, I, I now just want, like, in the play version of this, for Dallas to just point at that and be like, "That's why you're fucking getting a half share, Brett." <laughs> <laughs> Although the funny thing is, Parker, because though. because it is an R-rated movie, like. Brett has definitely wallpapered it with Playboy, and I'm sure whatever would actually be on Brett's wall there would be a lot uh, more graphic than what's actually on the wall. I mean, considering every other creature that we see in this film and how <laughs> vaginal that they are and how many vulvas and and I'm disappointed we didn't get a bits. shot of Brett's cryo <laughs> to find porn like tape to the inside. <laughs> That's, now yeah. that would be funny. Oh my god! Yeah, I'm so, I'll look yeah. at it the two seconds before I pass out and the two seconds after I wake up. I mean, you know who would? I want to be like, dreaming about. Have... But I First do want to say something about yeah. the 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 decoration in this movie. So there's like a lot of these weird little objects. Like there's the birds, the dipping birds. That's right. And the wind chimes and the weird like little dangly spring things and. The, the weird thing about that is now I I haven't done a lot of research on this so this is just me extrapolating from the, what would make sense but all of these decorations have to do with gravity inertia and uh, air pressure so like these are all items that you can use on a ship that would indicate a difference in your you know the ship's attitude or the ship's oh. um, air pressure, or you know, shifts in the gravity. Ship. Yeah, so, so canary and coal mine situation. Yeah, which may also be oh. why Jones is there. But uh, I, I had assumed. Oh. I had assumed more along the lines of it was just sort of like because this is a mining vessel. It's not a like a military thing. This is just their like personal bric-a-brac <laughs> that's you know they've just decorated with and strewn it about. Like if you know if this was starfleet like all of their all of their personal areas are very neat and they all have you know zen guards in their quarters and shit like that right yeah but the, in starfleet they all have like weird ass fucking modern art 
and like masks and shit everywhere. They're so refined on the Enterprise. Everyone's all high cultured and stuff. It's like everybody's got like yuppie tastes and everything. Everyone's into opera and classical music. The only music anyone listens to is like classical, basically. Except for except for Worf, who just has you know weapons strewn about his. There's that. Yeah. Well, he does have that weird like postmodern ball chair, which is like i didn't realize till recently that it was actually a chair i thought it was just a bunch of spheres I, like something Worf you get out is, of sharper image Worf <laughs> is definitely the crew member most likely to have a standing desk <laughs> i feel like klingons don't contract very easily like they're like swedish people like they I mean, just are always technically on the bridge it does have a standing like desk swedish people that's a quote on the box <laughs> <laughs> I mean, technically on the bridge Worf has a standing desk like yeah. yeah like I feel as someone with Swedish heritage whose hamstrings are um uh ineffable I don't know if the word is- I want now I want like Klingon Ikea they don't move Klingon meatballs Klingon, Klingon meatballs, meatballs. Brad I remember running um, I run solstice parties and I have a lot of Scandinavian food and I'd be like so we're having glug and uh, um, and skivers and all this kind of stuff and my friends are like are you are you speaking Klingon what are you what are you talking about and I'm like oh, it's well, skivers are, are Danish and that's awesome so anyway <laughs> <laughs> And smooth chutbalar is Swedish meatballs, the little ones. Smooth is anyway. I do feel like there's no That's chance right. that the uh, the sauce for their meatballs would be fruit flavored, though. Like, would definitely no, yeah, be like no, a harsher flavor. No lingonberry. It'd be all like no. blood wine, blood, blood flavor of their enemies with blood. Yes. Blood of someone who has no honor. <laughs> Not actual bloods, but I mean, anyway. So, so Parker, to his credit, uh, walks in on uh, Ash trying to uh, kill his crewmate with porn and thinks that's weird. So uh, <laughs> tries to step in and stop what's going on. At which point, uh, Ash that, gives him the most intense purple nurple. Um, that right there, I guess. Yeah. Right. yeah. That right there is what you call <coughs> a good HR response. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, he's like gonna dig his fingers into his chest and dig the contents out. I thought he was trying to like, yeah, straight up squeeze his heart through his chest. Oh, yeah, and something, he was screaming. He was successful in doing, he was getting somewhere. Yeah. He had his robot strength doing these crazy things. Yeah. Killing one person with a magazine with one hand and about to grab someone's. Again, with Wayland Yutani, fucking the way Ash tried to kill Ripley had some big Red Queen energy of like, oh, what do I have lying around that I can murder someone with? I He's a very, very strong job. robot. He could have just snapped her neck or strangled her. Like, Yeah. Very... Right? Nope. Death by porn. <laughs> that's, yeah. And that's another thing. That's another reason that like, I think that there's some sort of program schism going on where that's this fucking with his uh his functionality because he's like got to be but not 
program not working together, you know. And Why did he skiz out at that moment programmatically? Like, what was the loop he got in? What was the programmatic? Uh, uh, tr- I think it's it's. You know, I think crew. like the crew is supposed to be expendable, but I don't think he's actively programmed to kill the crew. Like, I think yeah. like you know that's probably anti his his initial programming is murdering his his crewmates. Um, it will he like as a trace of the Asimov programming of don't let a human come to harm in there somewhere. Yeah, that the company tried to to delete out, but maybe they didn't get all the remaining code of that. Well, also he's got like his his goal is to not have her tell the other crewmates. Yeah. So what does he do? He stuffs something in her mouth. That's what I at first thought was happening was he was just trying to muffle her, but I was kind of like confused about As is he. like, I'm like, oh, yeah. well, it makes more sense. He's trying to murder her that like has a goal, right? Like just trying to stifle her from screaming, like what's next? I mean, not that he knows what's next at that moment, but okay, yeah. No. Well, in porn, no, wait. <laughs> I do at a certain point, I have to mm. question, why did this company even bother with the human crew? Just send right? a ship full of robots. Probably, yes. Androids are expensive. Yeah, it's probably just cheaper to let humans die. Yeah. yeah. Promise them I, they'll get paid and then not pay them, just like oh, so kill me. them with aliens. Yeah. Yeah. Like like Alf. Somewhere there's a crew that picked up Alf and Alf killed them. It's a crew of cats. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> you could almost think though that like Ash could have probably piloted that whole ship, probably. Yeah, that's a good question, too. But I mean, you know, a lot of these things are sort of kind of addressed about I feel like the the alien covenant and Prometheus are they okay. they address. Yeah, some of the the robot stuff more than the alien stuff. Like, I feel like the huh. robot stuff in all those movies is a lot uh, more interesting than interesting. any of the alien shit. Huh. It's true. Huh. I well, she, um, gets, she gets real interesting for the robot here as Parker starts beating him to death, like hits him with I. I for some reason, I, I think it's a fire extinguisher. I'm not sure if that's what it is, but like probably he's something that Ash himself I didn't find before. For I, yeah, the acting here of selling broken, glitching out without any yeah. effects, just pure acting. Ian Holm is like rolling yeah. around the wall, like that as if was he's on so, the floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah him like, like a fucked up Roomba. <laughs> He, yeah, he truly he feels acting broken for all and glitching. fucking worth in this scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the milk, too. like The, the milk. milk blood. Which so is, much milk. Which they then pour all over him. And he's yeah. spewing he's milk. He's all, there's all the milk. So now, much milk. And this is important because in science fiction before this, all, pretty much all robots, all synthetic life forms were like beep boop circuits, yeah. right? You yeah. had Robbie the robot, and you had the, the the like androids in you know various other things that are either just like cool looking people or whatever weird looking mm-hmm. people people with makeup on whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but don't have fluid you know. in there. You don't mix electricity and liquid. Yeah, so you know, like you have the you know. Uh, you have something on the person that makes them look like okay, this is this is a person, but more different, or right. you know. And then oh. Ash is the whole design of the the synth in this 
is full of like weird little sacks of milk and some intestine looking things, which could also easily be just like, you know, uh, insulated cables covered in milk, but it is so gross. And it is the first time we see a very like organic synth creature in a movie that, you know, in, in this, I mean, I'm sure we have some other examples here and there that are less known, but this is like the first time that in film we get a really influential organic synth. Um, yeah, it's like they tried to design really an artificial humanly functioning body out of plastic and yeah. just fake stuff to actually simulate organs for some reason. And then they just have this milk to just just stand as a stand in for all the yeah it's like yeah. a shoddy it's so if, effective in this following scene where yeah. like she she pulls a bunch of the wires out of him and like the head has come disconnected at this point and she sets it up on the table and like is hooking some wires up because parker is like he's dead let's leave him unplugged let's get the fuck out of here and uh ripley is like no he's the only one who knows what's going on here like, let's try and get some information out of him and hooks up the head on the table, which they do a, like, in 4K, really obvious switch out of yeah. Like, the... Oh, yeah. So, uh, I mean, it was always, it was always obvious. Like, the switch out was the most, like, of all of the incredibly uh, well-aging uh, practical effects of this movie, that's the only thing in this movie that ages it, is this, like, yeah. really rough edit. Oh, yeah. Um, you can see the cut. Yeah. Yeah. But, but Ian Holm does a great job selling it, though. It's mm-hmm. Oh, his spewing, last lines. Spewing milk as he's oh my you know, God. saying his last lines. And... So much milk. I mean, oh my God, those, you have my sympathy. Like, you have he, my... he goes out on a high note as yeah. an actor. And there's this bit where Lambert's like, you admire it. And he's like, it's the perfect being. And I'm like, well, of course, I mean, for a perfect being, it does spew a lot of juices. But <laughs> considering where you are now, I guess, you know. Perfect um, being has a very circuitous breeding cycle. And he also says that he admires its purity, unclouded by conscience, remorse, or delusions of morality. So that says a lot. Interesting. Yeah. It's basically, it's basically this thing and Jaws. Like, Yeah. Look, he's Perfect also he also admires Jaws's purity. <laughs> yeah, but then he also says you can't kill it, and that thusly proving uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger incorrect because it does bleed. Um, and they can't kill it, as opposed to you know, if it bleeds, we can kill it. I mean, it's in Predator. Oh. He, he doesn't know okay, much okay, about Okay, 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 okay. I'm all like, uh-huh. <laughs> <Sorry>. I'm <laughs> If you watch Predator the Musical, it's very clear. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, I have so much We can kill it. Too. Oh my God. So between this and Westworld, I'm like really thinking that like milk as the, un- like the language of like the robot juice, like, like um, we've seen so many uh, aliens with blue blood, and now I'm thinking, okay, I know of at least two instances of androids with white, just like milk, yeah, uh, as their fluid du jour, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even data, like they don't That's really right. show him bleed ever. Yeah, I mean, when he's when they open data, it's very twinkly, and yeah. 
clean. It's like mother in there. Yeah. He's yeah, it's like, very right. pure in there. It's very like squeaky clean inside there. I'm trying to think if I've I remember another like gross robot. There's I mean, gonna there's be the, one. I'm gonna there's the Borg, one. but they're very much like That's you right. put wires you know they're very like they're i'm gonna cyborgs. go to the industrial they're cyborg but yes they do have some tubes yeah but they're, they gotta they're, be putting something through those tubes yeah and so Chunky. now we are down to ripley parker and lambert mm. um so ripley decides that she is going to go start the uh the shuttle so that they can get the fuck off this big ship um with the three of them and sends them to go get coolant uh, while she's powering it up. Um, and they decide they're going to blow the big ship up and take the shuttle home. Uh, Ripley sees, hears Jonesy and decides to spend the next five minutes just chasing this cat around the ship. Um, meanwhile, Lambert is absolutely useless. Um, they, they come face to face, Lambert and Parker come face to face with this alien and we don't see a lot of this stuff because we're hearing it from Ripley's perspective. But Parker is like, get out of the way so I can set the alien on fire. And Lambert's like, ah, oh no, an alien. Parker's like, no, really, get out of the way so I can set the alien on fire. And then they both die. Yeah. Lambert's like, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> that was the worst. That I, I couldn't really tell who was at fault there, like yelling, get out of the way. But I couldn't tell how in the corner she was. She was kind of against the wall between yeah. two pillars. And so, I th- yeah. she could have moved, but I'm, it was close enough to her that I think that, you know, like if, if this were a real situation that like, yeah, I could have gone. But she just she just froze and panicked. And I guess Parker didn't want to set her on fire. Um, froze and panicked and went out like a punk. Like, <laughs> she, yeah. she doesn't even like take a shot. She keeps Parker from taking no. a shot. Uh, by the time get, Ripley like, finds them, they're dismembered and, and left behind by the creature. And it, um, Lambert does get like a weird tail action where the tail like crawls up her leg, which I'm not quite sure how that. Yeah, I don't resolves. know. They don't. They don't show a lot of the violence, but they like hint at the violence in ways that are troubling. Yeah, like mm-hmm. it does seem. Like that alien is going to penetrate her with its tail. Um, oh, that's an interesting point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I mean, we don't ever see what actually happens there. When Ripley comes back and she sees the two of them dead, one of them's hanging. Like she's yeah, hanging, she's swinging legs, and it doesn't yeah. look like she's got any like shoes on. Yeah, like she's her her legs are bare. So I don't yeah. know what's going on there. Yeah. Um. I guess I don't need to go into the history of hentai, but um, ah. <laughs> the, the, the tentacle octopus thing is, is I mean, it's from the 1800s, but um, mm-hmm. the Shunga of the Yukiwe period. Yeah. Kokusai. I'm sure other people were into it. The, but. The, the, oh, the, if the internet has taught me anything. Yes, people. Yeah, well, that, I mean, someone is, I'm it. talking about the 1800s. <laughs> <laughs> I just meant the tentacle stuff uh, yeah there's plenty of people into it um so ripley on discovering that they're both dead decides that she's going to go ahead and start the world's worst self-destruct uh process which is <laughs> a thing that requires 
multiple turning like there's like a thing you have to start and then you have to go pull a panel off the wall and then pull down two separate switches and that opens another thing and then you have to pull several things out of the ground and turn them around and then like it's like all right now that you've done all these eight steps you have five minutes to reverse that if you want to otherwise the ship's gonna blow up another five minutes after that yeah why it's like and Why those, those steps this? are like from eight different like eras of technology. You have like a steampunk shaft thing, and then you have like an yeah. industrial like coal mine, like a coal train looking valve, and then you have some like 80s buttons, and then you know, you have to go through like all of history technology to set this thing off. And you know <laughs> yeah, it's it's wild and you know she she sets all this up and she's like all right now that it's going i'm gonna get to the shuttle and she takes off for the shuttle with jonesy and his cat carrier which i guess they just still have cat carriers in whatever time in the future yeah, the, is. Yes. the cat um, carrier was in the same uh closet as like the uh um the uav or whatever oh, f- i don't know i can't remember the acronym but like the their spacesuit essentially so mm-hmm. she had yeah. like a so, which which begs the question: Is that also space worthy? That that cat carrier, hmm. space um, cat carrier. Um, I will say this is one of the most relatable. I mean, the, ang- the anxiety in this part of the movie <laughs> is all over the place. There's a lot of things going on. You know, there's a lot of moving parts here. There's strobe lights. That's big big warning there. Yeah. But the idea of having to get your cat in a cat carrier in an emergency situation, you know, <laughs> having been subject to um, evacuation warnings here, you know, that and like. It's real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and for all of this, she gets most of the way to the shuttle and then finds the alien blocking her path to the shuttle uh, just around the corner. So she freaks out drops Jonesy in the cat carrier and runs back to try and undo the explode like the self-destruct process because now she's stuck on the ship because the aliens between her and the way out she cannot do this 20 step self-destruct <laughs> in reverse within the five minutes so right? you're still gonna blow up so she's like fuck it I'm gonna try and get off of here we'll see what happens runs back finds the cat still in the cat carrier the alien apparently doesn't give a shit about the cat. Yeah, uh, this better, alien finds does it very not. Relatable. Um, <laughs> and but the alien is gone, nowhere to be found. And so she's like, "Well, guess I got lucky." And you- runs to the ship, throws you know, throws the cat in there, straps herself <laughs> in, takes off, and blows up the whole ship behind her. And uh, then is like, "I got you, you son of a bitch." And that. <laughs> That ship blows up so many times <laughs> and in such a gigantic way. I and it, and it keeps blowing up. That were on that ship. I guess, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Well, I think that thing was a like technically a fuel hauler. So, so there was like a lot of ammo, like fuel, fuel right, type fuel, just fuel. Incendiary. With just like the fuel that it would need, they were still. Like they said, a long way from Earth. So there would have been a lot of future jet fuel on there. 
yeah like, well they do have a reactor in there too because like that's the thing is that the the the, the self-destruct system essentially like over or um melts down the reactor mm-hmm. and so when she um when she turns when she tries to reverse the self-destruct she's like i turn the coolant back on mother what the fuck and mother's like fuck you i guess of you know 404 error like, yeah. you're too late <laughs> yeah and so she's like what are you bitch what? you know which is again i would be doing that too but yeah, um, yeah there's, there's a reactor in there and then i'm sure that there's there's some sort of cascading explosion um all right yeah because i've seen ships explode in star wars and it's just like okay one fireball kind of does it and it's done it's like this, this is, is like, like a planet is blood it's like a supernova it's like the death star like, explosion in new hope it's where like, it's like yeah it's like a death star level <laughs> there are event. shock waves yeah yeah Fucking- the the monolith shows up and does some like you're running through the forest kind of everything shit. yeah every everything happens everything everything weird in and, space happens and yeah it's she manages to make it out she, yeah. she makes it out and then it's like finally I can take off my clothes yeah yes I can show you what my underwear looks like and now I mean, here's a hint it doesn't fit. Yeah, I know. It's like okay, there is so much butt crack. How have you been running around this entire movie, if not this entire mission, with underwear that does not reach over your entire butt? Yeah, Yeah, like camisole is one thing that seems fine. Like, but her her bottoms are just like they don't they don't fit. No, I don't know how you how you have how that scene comes to be filmed with her wearing those those particular underwear like it just seems I know it's like so strange was this a fashion decision or, or, or like it's just like oh well okay we're leaving that in yeah I have a lot of <laughs> notes about these panties yeah, it's like they're, the, the thing is they're not covering but somehow they're also not sexy like yeah they, they're, they're exposing they, a they very miss awkward on both ends yeah, it's like butt cleavage. It's not a thing, really. It's I, not yeah, a- like they don't have up upstairs cleavage, unlike Galaxy Quest, where she <laughs> the the cleavage upstairs. But like the um, the one thing I will say is that I feel better about the underwear that doesn't fit my ass, because you know if part of like I I do have underwear that I you know uh, will will not completely obscure my cleftal horizon. And um, I feel better. I actually do Taekwondo. This is getting a little personal, but I have been able to do Taekwondo in that underwear. Therefore, I think Ripley will be okay. Also, I think her underwear is a little bit more, um, you know, well-suited for space travel in terms of the the material. Um, Mm -hmm. And then on the other side of this, I can also imagine that the laundry system and on the Nostromo, considering the functionality of the rest of the ship, is not terribly well put together. So I'm guessing that clothes get shrunken relatively ah, regularly. Ah, yeah. um, See, I, I was I was on the like she just ran out of clean underwear and like she just borrowed some of Lambert's. That's why they didn't fit, right? like, <laughs> you know, she was like, Lambert, can I it's like four sizes too small? <laughs> clearly clearly they don't fit but gotta have something <laughs> gotta have something you, you know uh when i think about it that particular 
unflattering exposure is something that when we when we are honest with ourselves, we have all seen get exposed in public whenever anyone wearing jeans just a teeny bit too tight bends over or just like crouches down and boom, there it is exposed. (laughs) That is a part that nobody, you know, it is technically very indecent and yet it gets exposed all the time. But mostly when you bend way over or crouch down, not just like standard, that's just how far up it comes. Yeah. I will like say if you if you bend over wearing those, I swear that is going to go all the way down. I mean, I mean, at least half. <laughs> right. Um, I actually spoke. I was talking about this earlier with some friends of mine and they were like, well, yeah, I get it. But, you know, that's that was my uh, my gay awakening. That's <laughs> and I was like, well, oh, there well, you go. You know, the impracticality of these underwear that does have, and the fact that like, you know, when I first saw this movie, I thought it was exploitative, but now I'm thinking, you know, there's other, there's another side to that coin. And I think that we should appreciate that element. I mean, I don't think it would have been any less of a gay awakening had she had panties that fit in this scene. Like, <laughs> sure. yeah. yeah, as soon as she starts taking off uh, all of those, those, those heavy, heavy clothing that she's been burdened with all this yeah, time. On this juicy ass ship. <laughs> um, maybe Ridley Scott's an ass man. Who knows? They're, they're all covered in that alien juice by now. Can't be. <laughs> that can't be comfy. <laughs> Dallas is like. <sighs> um, I was holding two fingers up. That was sorry. This is audio medium. <laughs> um yeah and so yeah. she's she's wandering around in her her panties and camisole and picks up the cat and decides to put the cat in the uh the bed to to go to sleep mm-hmm. and then um she's i guess finishing up the the last of her routine before she lays down in the bed and uh just disturbs this alien who has tucked itself away on the shelf <laughs> um does not Which seem is- ready to fight or attack or anything. Yeah, it seems the alien sleepy. is just it's- taking a nap. I it's know. also very cat-like because it does that thing where it like right. reaches its hand out very I slowly. Know. <laughs> it's true. Um, is, the alien can, you cannot find this alien if you are looking for this alien. This alien can only find you, even I, when it's dead or asleep. I will say this: it's like the opposite of a regular cat. How the cat's trying to sleep, and the humans just keep waking it up. <laughs> Well, and then this, the other thing is that this alien, um, maybe I don't, this begs a few questions if I just really want to think about it that hard, but <laughs> alien really blends into these ducts. Like, this alien fits some, right in on this. Uh, yeah. Like, the, the weirdest thing about this scene for me is that alien really just seems to want to chill on that shelf. Because, <laughs> like, she hides in the corner next to the spacesuit. Yeah. And, like, the alien just stays there and like she goes ahead and slips on the you know uh spacesuit over her uh over her underwear and then she's like let me fuck with some levers and see if i can spray some you know some uh steam onto this alien to get it moving so that i can then like flush it out with the you know um with the air and shoot it with a grappling hook yeah writing writing madonna songs as we do it um yeah and there's also one of the most suggestive parts of this movie which i for me feels like the most like 
you know, I was, I would clench at this part where the alien very slowly, suggestively extends its striker mouth and slowly closes the jaws and brings it Is back that in. Suggestive? I thought it was the alien yawning. I, oh, it yeah. always feels like really suggestive to me. So he's taking a nap and those are his snoring. He's like, ooh. Yeah, he's probably out, yawning. Mouth in, mouth in. It's, it's like, it's, it's really like, cartoonish. Yeah. <laughs> to me it always felt like it was just like waggling at her but sl- it just felt Ooh. like ominous and vicious Ooh. I think yeah. he also he's just sticking his tongue out yeah in space it's like is it a violent sexual predator or one of the seven dwarves like oh my god well he's really sleepy he's taking a nap he's had a busy day he has a very busy day I really wish that of a John Hurt put those two things together, Jeremy, because that's a lot of dwarves to one woman. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh. This is your fault. Oh, no. As far as I know, none of the dwarves have striker mouths. <laughs> as far as we know. Hi ho. Uh, so, yeah, she oh, man. she opens the, uh, the airlock. The alien goes flying out it grabs onto the door at the last second so she shoots it with her spare grappling hook she has lying around yeah um, and it it has the forethought to i don't know if it gets the grappling hook gets stuck into it or it grabs the grappling hook and it's flailing around on the outside of the thing and so she turns on the engine and burns it off into space and um then she she takes off for home and uh takes a nice nap and takes a nice nap with the cat in the cryo tube uh after Leaving a, uh, I don't know, confession, a log of uh, final, not final third third officer's log, third yeah. officer's log. That is vague. Where she's like, Ash is dead. Warrant officer's log. They're all dead. There was a thing. Yeah. I killed that. Don't too. worry about it. <laughs> That's why we so have no more ship. The alien took the fire extinguisher and beat the robot to death. Like, yup, that was the alien. Yeah, the alien took off Ash's head, and then it, like it was it was crazy. And then Ash was like, uh, "I'm sorry," and then we all hugged. <laughs> the end. The end. Um, and everyone died. Except, well, and technically she was not the last Kitty. survivor of the Nostromo because it was her and Jonesy. But um, Jonesy appears in the beginning of Aliens. That would have been the real plot twist if, like, Jonesy goes into, like, the shuttle's computer and just starts using, like, his kitty paws and being like, mission accomplished. (laughs) (laughs) Jonesy's also an android. There's a uh, there's an anime called Lily Cat that is basically alien, but the cat is the alien, and it's also, like, the thing, which is also... But it also goes into the computer... And the but there's also sad cat death, and I don't know. But like the other thing is that in this anime that has no, this is it's like from the '80s that has no affiliation with Alien. Dude straight up goes into Mother and is like, "Hey Mother, what do I do about the cat Alien?" And Mother's like, "Do you have the rights to this?" I don't think you do. I mean, it didn't actually say that, but it's basically like. And and it's but it's in English, so like the whole thing is in Japanese. But then when he's typing to mother, it's basically like taken directly from the alien interface. Um, so that it's 
anyway, if you want to see a version of of Alien that where the cat is the alien and also a hacker, um, and also I the feel thing like that should be the title, Aliens, but the cat is the alien. I mean, yeah, it's, <laughs> that's what it is, but um, it's not very good. Yeah, <laughs> and, and with that ringing endorsement, uh, so um, let's uh, let's talk a little I'm bit sorry. about the progressive politics of this thing. Um, I guess, first of all, uh, do, do we have anything to say about, uh, I don't feel like it really has any portrayal of mental illness, mental health, physical disability. If so, it's bad because Lambert, you know, if Ma- Lambert has any sort of anxiety um, disorder or condition, it's not represented well. It doesn't cast much upon her character. I um, feel like Lambert's reaction is very reasonable, all things considered. Yeah. If I was trapped with an alien like that, I'd probably also react much the same way Lambert does. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I would do my best to get out of the way if, like, there was fire involved. (laughs) Like, like, (laughs) you know what? This thing's probably going to kill me either way, but let me at least let the fire have a shot at it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's much to be said there. Um, There's also not a whole lot to say about LGBTQIA themes. Is there anything anybody wanted to add on that? Yeah. Well, apparently, and I don't know when this was clarified um, it, in some supplemental material for this film, it is revealed that Lambert is uh, trans. That's right. I remember seeing that. Really? Oh. Yeah. I remember seeing that supplementary thing, or at least on Reddit, sure. being like, check it out. Lambert and Alien is trans. It's there was a screenshot of a crew, uh, like a crew file, and it may be from one of the later movies. Actually, I think it might have been from Aliens, where it is it is revealed that um, Lambert has gone through gender reassignment surgery. Hmm. Hmm. Um, and hmm. you know what this says, and the, good for uh, her. Yeah, well, that's that's good. Um, and you know, representation wise it's complicated because I don't think that that was, I don't know if that was part of the script originally or if it was something added later, you know? It um, feels very much like something just added later. Yeah. yeah. What, do we, what do we feel when it's like that hidden or I would not that, have that seen feels that. Like a, that, that feels that, like Dumbledore representation. Yeah, I mean, it's not representation proper no, in, no. at all, but yeah. I, you know, I felt like it was worth mentioning because it, it mm. was significant yeah. when it was discovered you know when people were yeah. talking about it on the internet um relatively recently um a lot of people very kind of interested in in yeah. that fact yeah. um in terms of the greater canon of uh-huh. uh, the alien franchise but yeah interesting yeah I don't, you know in terms of this movie mm-hmm. i i don't think that there is uh any real uh representation presence yeah other than just all the vagina you know all of the sex toy (laughs) very queer sex toy kind of stuff that is involved with uh hans rudy giger's ideas i mean Um, the monster does i mean the alien itself does look like a sex toy that was cursed with sentience Cursed or blessed? <laughs> <laughs> it, oh, that, it, it feels uh, like this monster sees its own existence as a curse. 
it looks more like a cursed sex toy to me than a blessed. Uh, I think depends. a blessed sex toy would would uh, be, behave slightly less murderously. Uh, It'd be students. less full of acid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel yeah, like the so uh, apparently the the details on this. Uh, uh, yeah thing with Lambert is it's in Aliens uh, yeah. in the next movie. Um, apparently they are being shown the details of each of the crew members uh, as they're being briefed on this and Lambert's file includes a lot of personal data including under gender it states female parentheses unnatural close parentheses Whoa. before expanding subject is Despin convert at birth male to female so far, no indication of suppressed trauma related to gender alteration. Oh, don't like that. That's yeah, not great. Raises all. Don't like yeah. that, that at all. Swings back the oh, good representation back to yeah. Oh well, okay. Of the t- what? What year would that would have been? That movie. Aliens was nineteen eighty. Any, anything Six. that sounds like how people in the 80s would have talked about oh yeah absolutely so um yeah. let me look up aliens in 1986 yeah almost like seven years between movies like mm. sounds like it took them a little like that was not an immediately greenlit fast track sequel <laughs> It's interesting they put that detail in there at all, especially if it was going to be such a tiny detail that didn't have it. Especially if you're going to be so shitty about it. Yeah. So shitty about it. It's so weird. Well, and that's the other thing. There's so much going on with the the alien canon, you know, and there's there, I know there were books and there were comics Mm -hmm. and all this kind of stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I do feel, I mean, like, I, I don't know if the James Cameron had anything to do with that, you know, or the writer of Aliens had anything to do with that. Um, it doesn't sound like that would be something that they would really put together, but, um, you know, why they would talk about, I mean, I, I guess in terms of future stuff, they would talk about transhumanism, but uh, that's a real bad, <laughs> like... It's like uh, someone trying to be in- inclusive or cool, but really has like an unevolved opinion or idea about what they're talking about like it's a it's a big like cyberpunk 2077 syndrome kind of situation i feel yeah um yeah Yeah. they're like wouldn't it be weird if people oh right like this is a sci-fi future thing that maybe mm -hmm. Yeah, like, this and is too I, ahead of time for us. Like <laughs> we're writing this script. I roll. Apparently, like in the original as well. Like uh, in the in the book in the original script, uh, Ripley is male, and oh. there's initially a relationship between Ripley and Lambert in that story. And then when they cast Sigourney Weaver, they didn't change any of the dialogue, anything about Ripley. Mm-hmm. Um, and like then I guess somewhere along the line, you know, they were there was supposed to be a relationship between Ripley and Lambert, which just never quite made it into the movie. 
Mm. Um, mm. So, and there was also Ripley in Dallas, which is interesting. Look, I mean, you're on a mining ship with only six other people for a long ass time. Yeah, mm. like mm-hmm. I'm sure happen. everyone's been around everyone else. Like yeah. they all and know the smell of each other's yeah. junk. Really, let's be real here. Five extra people because ain't no one fucking ash. Yeah, there is. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there you That's go. True. Like, because oh I think that if if, if someone tried to bang Ash or Ash, well, I don't think Ash would have tried to bang anybody. But if someone tried to bang Ash, then that fucking cat, so to speak, would be out of the bag, so to speak. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's like that's not the right. <laughs> That's like a little too milky. That's like the wrong kind of milk. I, you know, that's like yeah. something. Uh, it got I, gross. I, I, listeners, I hope you can feel the cringe faces we're making. I'm sure that they can. Yeah. Sorry, that guy. This is gross. not like fully functional in every way and programmed in multiple techniques. Like Ash is. I don't. Even, this like, is a data programmed to perform in terrible first season TNG episodes. Yeah. It was like he would start quoting the freaking corporate manual while like while he was getting like while he was banging somebody. It's like I don't even think, think he would get that far. Like somebody would try <laughs> to like go down on him and then they'd be like, Does it move? Like <laughs> I'm unclear <laughs> I don't know. the biological like, purpose of what you're doing currently. Yeah. Um... please explain. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh. so, let's, yes. let's get off this topic <laughs> uh, and and get on to feminism um what is, is this movie feminist i mean the idea of you know ripley being basically a, a male action hero part that was cast as female and remains I... a, a strong and intelligent independent and you know the, the survivor and not in a final girl kind of way. I will yeah. say I, it doesn't feel like, I feel like we've encountered women characters that really do feel like they were written as just men and then a different name was slapped on top. Ripley isn't that. Like Ripley, I mean just like strong knowledgeable, like confident I mean, she's a night. She's an icon for decades for a reason. Yeah, and despite the fact that the script originally had her as a, a male character, you know, e- w- whether it was updates to the script, the direction, Sigourney Weaver's performance, or all of them, you know, the, the what she brought to that role, she still comes across as a fully rounded character um, in a leadership role. Oh, um, who is correct? The- and who is also a lot more capable than the male characters leading, mm-hmm. you know? Was, yeah. The command presence and authority yeah. that her performance demands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm trying to think of times when the uh, fact that she's female even comes up in the movie and we mentioned a few times where we think that she wasn't listened to in her like mainly it was ash uh well that you could say a few things you could try and imagine like well if she was a male character and she had been saying no you've been when they're trying when those three are trying to get back on the ship or those two with the uh guy who's gotten on his face are trying to get back on the ship and he's and she's like no you you you're you know, that's breaking quarantine. You've been exposed to something. I'm not letting you on. And then 
everyone is screaming at her immediately, but it's kind of hard to tell whether they're just freaking out because a guy has an alien spider I mean, snake stuff to his face. That's the real theme of the movie is anyone who doesn't listen to Ripley is going to get what's coming to him. Yeah. 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 Um, but there's other, some of the other like blue, like the, the engineers are also questioning these, the decisions of the command, you know? And mm-hmm. it's interesting also because yeah. Ripley is all, is, is paired with them a lot. But I was thinking particularly when, when you asked this question, I was thinking about um, there's a scene while they're the only ones that are really on board. Uh, Ash is down in whatever the science sphere is that he's in and everybody else is on the away mission where she's asking them about the status of the ship and the repairs and uh, uh, Parker like just keeps like turning the thing on steam. So like he's uh, pretending that he can't hear what she's saying. Um, yeah. Just, oh, just, uh, <laughs> oh I love that you're moment. Gonna have to, you're going to have to come closer. Oh no. Oh no. It's fucked up again. Um, yeah. That was so like, funny. It feels like if like that thing definitely could be gendered, but it doesn't feel like that's the way they're they're slanting. It with felt it. much more, especially with how much of all of their actions and dialogue of Parker and Brett are. Hey, we're paid less than you, and you talk down to us and act like you're better. That felt like just sneaky disrespect towards middle management. Yeah. yeah. I could, uh, yeah, when I try and imagine, I'm like, yeah, I could imagine them behaving the exact same way towards a male character in that same role. Like, like if it really is true that the entire, all of Ripley's lines were written for a male actor. And then, and then so all that, every single situation is like, there was going to be a man there and it's and it and it's a woman there that that seems to say like oh well none of this is is written with like any kind of slant i guess if that's the case yeah yeah well i i feel like she does also bring a little bit more i don't know like there's there's i don't know if it has anything to do with gender in this case but the fact that she is um as has as much agency and she's also reacting to things viscerally but where where uh dallas is very like serious and not terribly capable like she's much more capable even though she is like she seems to be internalizing a lot of this more so than dallas is you know also the fact that she's uh questioning a lot of these orders you know Mm -hmm. like dallas Mm -hmm. is like we do what the company says and ripley's like do we though I mean, yeah. this is fucking stupid. And then Kane, you know, Kane is just like baby and, you know, just gets fucked immediately, so to speak. But like, I think that whether or not Ripley was intended to be a woman, the film itself in her, its presentation of her leans into a, a feminist aspect of her presentation. There's no way, especially in 1979, there's no way it couldn't be. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I mean, yeah, she's she's like almost naked at the end of the film but it's also about vulnerability in that point it's not like a a gaze thing it's about mm-hmm. her literally being caught with her pants down as yeah. the alien is has infiltrated her uh her space yeah and we're looking respectfully and with great tension 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, I do feel like there's a little bit of, because it's a R-rated 70s horror movie, um, there is, there is inte- like, you know, they, they got to show some skin or whatever, but the way that they do it yeah. is much less exploitative than uh, I mean, so many of these other 70s, like... Also, maybe it's just because of how athletic Sigourney Weaver is. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel particularly male gazy. Yeah. I mean, she looks great. Yeah. Um, But, you know, we don't get upstairs cleavage. We get downstairs, we get ass cleavage. We get very awkward. Yeah, that's an awkward fit in underwear. uh, Underwear. Awkward, very awkward awkward underwear. underwear. Yeah. and It's awkward um, underwear and awkward exposure. It doesn't also, feel like, ooh, look at this sexy ass shot. It feels like I wardrobe should have gone back and done another fitting of this. <laughs> yeah. This was not the correct fitting. Yeah. Um, and then there's the fact that she was being choked with porn, which I'm thinking like, well, you know, there's some- That's, in- yeah, I didn't even put that together, right. Um, yeah. Uh, and the sexuality of the aliens, you know, the the- mm fact that it's basically like penis the curling, the curling lips oh the close-up on the curling lips when it's killing curling. when it's like the parker mm. death scene oh my god is that just the creepiest scariest moment of the film yeah and then there's a yeah. there's a, i mean there is definitely and deliberately a lot of sexuality about those aliens i've heard i've heard people talk about the the whole franchise as far as like it's interesting that like both male and female people are equally like likely to be penetrated and impregnated by this species yeah and so the and the first victim of like this alien's penetration is a man and he gets impregnated yeah and literally the alien is called his son mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um so middle-aged white uh, man at that yeah um the son of cain <laughs> i didn't even think about that holy shit yes um john hurt is cain confirmed oh my god <laughs> yeah. does this imply the existence of mutants in the alien verse this is where the chemise came from or whatever you call i don't know this is the avp the avp verse <laughs> If I'm part of the masquerade, there's a corner that turns into like cooking. Does it looks like alien? Uh, anyway, um, so uh, we've talked a little bit about this already, but like I, I think the really interesting thing class-wise in this is that we are dealing with like a blue-collar sci-fi in this case that we have you know people who are actually like working people. They're not officers. They're not. Uh, you know, trained to to go out and explore space. They're just yeah. uh, guys, guys and gals. They're out on a job and it's are forced very, by their evil company to uh, to go. You know, it's check very out fun to seeing people stumble into a horror movie with the energy of Randall from Clerks. i feel like randall is even more just laid back about shit like in this case they're they're panicking certainly and there is certain pragmatism here but (laughs) i feel like most of them are dante and this they're just yeah i'm not even supposed to be here today yeah not part of my job Ah. ash is the randall and all of this (laughs) ash is the randall 
which yeah. I guess makes the alien space Jay and Silent Bob. The alien is certainly Silent Bob. <laughs> um, the, the face hugger is Jay. The face yeah. <laughs> Oh, mother, motherfucker, mother, motherfucker, 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 noise, noise, noise. One, two, one, two, three, four, noise, noise. <laughs> Do, do you feel like there's a connection between the um, the blue collar um, aspect and the and the fact of how the corporation it literally is not is is treating their lives as worth so much less that yeah. like it's putting this price tag on their lives that's like by like like by definition oh, yeah. so small and like just more of this behavior have we seen like okay well let's balance the the issue of human beings lives financial like on a on a financial scale next to profit and the profit is 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 greater and so than a than a human life and so we act accordingly and, so yeah yeah For all y'all listeners out there have been listening to friend of the show old gods of appalachia blah 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 old gods of appalachia uh you may be very horrifyingly familiar now uh historically mining as an occupation uh not an industry where companies have traditionally taken good care of their workers ah, mm-hmm. my great-grandfather died in a mine mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lots of yeah. lots of horrible and disturbing deaths there and uh yeah, yeah lots of horrible and disturbing yeah. and that's an old gods of Appalachia. I, I think it's it's interesting that like I mean the the mining is enough, but the idea that this mining company also has a weapons division is um it's, it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean they've they've sort of like they're well predating you know Google at this point. But like <laughs> if if somebody tells me that that Google had a weapons division, I wouldn't be shocked. Um, I know what you mean. Yeah, or Amazon. If Google, like, what would be more shocking, though, if Google was just, like, making missiles and shotguns, or if you found out Google was importing aliens to try to make (laughs) bioweapons? Yes. I mean, I'd be more shocked by the missiles. (laughs) If Google was like, we found aliens and we're bringing them in, I'm like, yeah, that checks out. I think, I mean, Google certainly would have, yeah. Man, Jeff, Elon would have a fit. Jeff Bezos has the Venom symbiote. Okay. That would explain a few things. Mm. Um, I mean, uh, uh, Disney, though. Disney definitely has a weapons division. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, it has it causes cultural <laughs> damage. Anyway. Disney owns Fox I know now, nothing so. about any weapons division. Please <laughs> hire me for a book, Disney Corporation. All I know is Disney never asked me to write anything for the weapons division. So Okay, cool. Me neither, but you know. I'm not sure in terms of the context of the cultural context of this film, like what natural disasters or, or I should say corporate disasters or what is going on. I mean, there's a lot of industrialization and you know, it's been going on the entire first the, the entire 20th century there's the 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 gas crisis which i can't remember the actual timing for that because you know they say 70s but a decade is news wise a long time a lot of shit happens in a decade mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, there's, there's certainly, um, I should say that I'm certain that there's some sort of conflict between the blue collar and the, the, the corporate I mean, command. certainly this would have been, uh, let's see, they, they broke up the Bell Systems company AT&T as it as it was at that point in 1982 for uh having a monopoly uh which is, is remember when we as a country right did now. that yeah remember yeah. when we did that you know yeah. AT&T was a phone company that went basically from coast to coast so they were like let's break that up now it's a phone company that also owns Warner Brothers and HBO and uh several other companies and and does mm all sorts of bizarre things mm. um, i remember when people yeah. were so freaking much larger out about than it was when we broke it up like um i i was i was trying to put this together i mean it there's probably more things to be said about class especially as far as like the interactions between the uh, the the in power and the and the um what do you call it the, the commanding officers and there's a lot of there's a lot of taking power back sometimes in these conversations which i think is is kind of interesting in that uh you know we're 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 uh, you know uh hundreds of millions of miles away from uh any real punishment you can lay on me might might contribute to some some of those moments but it's easier for me to spot all the capitalism commentary so much i mean and that'll only get bigger as the series goes on too this is true it starts to be like because the alien in a lot of ways is just following its natural patterns of reproduction and and feeding it's the real evil is the freaking company yeah like you know and the fact that it's a nameless corporation, it's just the company, mm-hmm. makes it so ominous. You know, like that by itself mm-hmm. is a, is commentary about the, the relationship of this company. Um, mm-hmm. And I also want to point out that the last the the last people standing in this movie, the black engineer, um, the the woman who was commanding officer that everybody ignored until now, mm-hmm. um, and another woman mm-hmm. so yeah. you know who's like in terms of rank uh where lambert is concerned you know lambert's character qualities are she is scared but you know <laughs> she's also not really high up on the rank scale brett was parker's subordinate yeah so you know there's a there's something to be said there um you know if we're going to be also be uh like talking about race in the movie you know parker being there and parker being in a in a position of command mm-hmm. um and also uh his his death was i mean the the way that i would say see his death is a result of compassion because he would not fire upon a comrade mm-hmm. despite the fact that there was an alien there you know yeah. um mm-hmm. and uh he was also like he and brett were some of the more relatable characters in the movie because they you know they were uh they had personality i love the scene where brett just keeps saying right and then they just start making fun of him for it and then he just starts leaning into it yeah Mm -hmm. like it's just these character moments where 
again, I could have watched a whole movie of these incredible actors just being blue collar space miners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they had yeah. a great energy. Brett and Parker were both the most really engaged in terms of like relating to people. You know, they were talking and they were sort of joking around and Ripley would also involve herself in their jokes. The other characters were like, eh. you know, Ash would be like, I'm science and weird. And Kane be like, well, Dallas would be Kane like, be like I'm dead. Um. <laughs> and, and then, uh, you know, Lambert would be crying in the corner. Well, yeah. said, I, I feel like the answer to this is probably obvious, but uh, would we recommend people watch Alien? Yes. 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 Everyone this is, this is one without qualification. This is not for fans of a particular kind of horror movie or for fans of horror movies at all. This is just for anyone who considers themselves a movie fan mm-hmm. of any kind. Mm-hmm. This is absolute top tier must watch movie. Absolutely. I mean, this was my comfort film for a while. Really? (laughs) Comfort is an interesting choice. I was just, I mean, I was a weird teen, but um, (laughs) I had a tape that was sort of like my security tape. It's a six hour tape. It had the Doors movie, which I usually fasted forwarded through, (laughs) Alien, and then Eraserhead. This was all stuff you or your parents had recorded off of TV at some point? Off of other uh, VHSs, like yeah. this, this is Rented. like when I was. Mine had Lost Boys on it, so oh, yeah. that's like in high school, and I would just have my Mortal Kombat. But I'm a cheerleader, doubleheader. Yeah, we had a we had a <laughs> that's, Gremlins. That's, a, <laughs> that's my gender right there. Is Mortal Kombat, <laughs> Mortal Kombat but, I'm but I'm a cheerleader. cheerleader. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great title together. It's like Mortal Kombat, yeah. but I'm a cheerleader. Uh, <laughs> that is eloquent. <laughs> for sure um, um well that that said i mean it sounds like we're already uh recommending things that bring us comfort uh what would we recommend for for people who enjoyed this movie who who want to see uh other other stuff we recommend uh kathleen do you have anything to recommend uh you mean things that would be similar to this uh yeah. things that would be similar or things that uh tie in in some way that you think uh maybe explore similar themes Oh yeah. Um, well, I, 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 I mean the uh, the next Alien movie probably, uh, but we haven't seen that yet. Yeah, um, I would definitely recommend Gravity if you're looking for more the mm. horror of space. Oh, oh yes. The, the film and not the concept, right? Yes. I, well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yes. the concept as a whole is terrifying. We don't understand it. We haven't found the particle. We clearly have no understanding of how it actually works. So that's pretty existentially terrifying or a, a <clears throat> very exciting scientific adventure. But uh, the, the film Gravity starring Sandra Bullock and George Clooney. Yes which is I would label space, I would call that like survive, like survival thriller, but in space and just so, so goddamn scary. Yeah, I think that that plays out the argument that uh, everybody was having on the internet where people were like, is Alien a horror movie? And I was like, basically any movie that happens in space is a horror movie because everybody's (laughs) 30 seconds from dying at any point. Yeah. 
something. Is yeah. it empty, vast void of nothingness, death, that we were never, ever, ever meant to be in? Yeah. Yeah, uh, exactly. There's a movie called Moon. And oh, I'm yeah. wondering, yeah, oh. have you heard of that? Yeah. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah, it's a really under underappreciated movie. And I think it might be because it suffers the same problem as Alien of having a title, which is like one of the most common words. So it's like ungoogleable kind of well, because. I feel like at the time of Alien's release, it was a probably a stronger title because it's oh, at least yeah. in the horror oh, yeah. genre. Yeah. You know, like there, there wasn't space horror. Yeah. There wasn't like, I, I think the closest thing to it was probably like to like an alien invasion movie mm-hmm. was probably like invasion of the body snatchers yeah was probably yeah. the most contemporary thing so i do think it exists at a time when just it like there aren't crazy alien movies like this would be years before yeah. predator like i mm-hmm. think like star like again this would have been yeah. around the time of star wars so like it probably was just like that simple title especially like god that trailer that poster that tagline in space no one can hear you scream right like, yeah. Ugh. yeah i mean just the atmosphere of the marketing for this movie yeah. would yeah. have just been off the charts or lack thereof because in space uh, uh, it, uh, it's funny because it's a vacuum yeah, but see and on top of all the like everything terrifying about this movie Watching Yafet Kato, who I know is about the same size as me, getting around this ship, and it's just like it's clearly not meant for somebody his size. I'd be the whole time. Yeah, I will say this: I love his blue headband. It's a great headband. Mm. His whole fashion Mm. is great. Killer, killer. Look, he looks fantastic, and his glistening chest is also very nice. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Uh, Emily, what's what's on your list here? Uh, well, Dan O'Bannon, before he made Alien, made a, a weirdly uh, irreverent version of Alien called Dark Star, which does have an alien in it, which, I mean, this is a very, very low-budget kind of B-movie, but it is it has a similar kind of feel of just space weirdness, mm. but with a little bit of comedy. There's also a Dark Star movie that is a documentary about H.R. Giger. So I would recommend either of those. If you're interested in H.R. Giger, please look up. There's a bunch of cool art books. I mean, this movie would not be what it is without his uh, his work. Um, Absolutely. Also, you know, the, the documentary is really awesome as well. Um, Alien Archie RPG is a try, try that one out. You can go find it on various RPG websites also available for Foundry, which I hear is a really cool uh, interface. Um, And it also, this movie reminds me a lot of these kind of chunky sci-fi settings that are, that talk a lot about class um, Mm. such as 1984, which Mm. I believe that's John Hurt in that one. It is. Yes, it is. Yes. I always get him mixed up with William Hurt. That's Honestly, I I went back and I looked at cast list. All my throughout all of my notes, I called him William Hurts. Yeah, they mm-hmm. they both hurt, but um, in a good way. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nineteen eighty four uh, Brazil. Um, oh. and then uh, there's <laughs> there's another very alien esque space madness movie called Silent Running. Um, 
which is a weird one it's more about environmentalism um very kind of clunky movie more in the dark star uh uh area there and then um if you're into weird space madness a and or like weird alien things there's the thing hmm. my mr john carpenter and yes. uh oh the thing is so good um might i recommend the original 1995 series neon genesis evangelion mm. which also, has classism can... feminism weird alien shit speculative science fiction and it's all character driven also you can play the video game aliens colonial marines if you hate yourself <laughs> <laughs> is alien isolation cool I, alien I isolation is a good game yes yeah play, play alien isolation if you want to play a good alien game <laughs> yeah and apparently the movie soldier is in canon um that movie's about uh capitalism in the military um it's kind of a weird one also kind of chunky um but in terms of like big industrial designs and stuff and it's about a soldier on a space colony um and uh it's a, another um hidden i don't know if i would call it gem but interesting it's like an interesting looking rock Mm. a hidden rock a hidden, um, a hidden rock that is kind of cool looking yeah kind of looks like all this as as for me uh you guys mentioned there's a whole series of alien movies there's aliens alien 3 alien resurrection and then prometheus and alien what's that last one called covenant covenant mm. and then which was uh, not a crossover alien with versus Predator Requiem. Um, <laughs> alien Covenant, not a crossover with Halo, to my disappointment. Yeah, of, <laughs> That's a missed all opportunity. Of, all of those, all of those get giant asterisks next to them as recommendations <laughs> other than Aliens, which we will be talking about next week and is a fantastic movie, awesome. which is, I think, directly responsible for Halo. Like, that yeah. movie is that movie introduces the concept of colonial marines as we as we know them, which you know oh, yeah. we pop up and so many other things going on from there. Um, and yeah, we'll we'll talk about all that next week. Um, also, I've just really gotten into it recently, but if you like the idea of like blue collar science fiction of like. It was particularly miners, people who were doing a job in space rather than people who are, um, you know, military officers and all that. The Expanse, which is on Amazon Prime right now, hmm. is a oh, big, right. big wild science fiction with much more of like a blue collar grounding and explores a lot of, you know, what it would really be like to, you know, be somebody who lived on a space station, was born on a space station. Uh, you know, had to deal on you know, ground level with all of the sci-fi stuff. Um, the books are good too. There's a the book series is really awesome. I, I have heard that. Um, the other two things that I would recommend uh, recommend that I, I love a lot are both podcasts. Um, one of them is is over. One of them is still going. Um, they're both they're both British science fiction comedy podcasts. Uh, one is called Mars Core, um, which I love Mars Core. It is 
like Brazil in a lot of ways in that it is a science fiction parody that is incredibly frustrating as you're watching it. Uh, and it is about a uh, person who volunteers to be part of the, the first group of people sent to Mars. She's supposed to be the, uh, you know, one of the officers in charge of things, basically the second in command. And uh, she wakes up and discovers that she's been unfrozen like a thousand years late. Um, and that they have already set up this uh, life on Mars. Everybody she's ever known is dead and gone. And uh, that all of the people running Mars are complete idiots who aren't doing any of the things they were supposed to do um, and have no communication with earth because they can't figure out how to set up the satellite or like any of these things. They have <laughs> no really idea funny. what's going on. So it's like um, Mars idiocracy. That is yeah, what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a lot like Mars idiocracy. Uh, and it, it follows the, the story of, you know, this, this woman as she's unfrozen and trying to just, just survive uh, amongst these just complete idiots who, you know, have been born and raised on Mars and have just used up all of their supplies and have no idea, like are literally always just seconds from dying. And she's just desperately trying to keep them alive. The other one, which is still ongoing, which I adore is called We Fix Space Junk, um, which is basically like there are uh, two, two repair women who work for, uh, Omnicore, which is a, uh, a company as horrible as it sounds, who does a little bit of everything. And basically they get sent on a variety of jobs around the universe to go uh, fix things that are broken, that have any number of, of science fiction ramifications. So they, they get sent to all these, you know, bizarre sci-fi locales. It's basically a completely different science fiction comedy movie every episode where, you know, they're sort of popping in. And part of the deal is like, they have a, a debt system to the corporation, but then like they're working to pay off that debt, but then any food they eat and any medical bills they incur over the course of doing this job go back into their debt. And they're just, this is cycle of like, they can't get away from this company no matter how hard they work and, and what happens to them. And uh, they're, they're sort of in this endless, uh, <laughs> this endless capitalist cycle well, at the same time, like, but it's funny. <laughs> Yeah. There's there's one last thing I wanted to mention, which is a, a comic series and anime called Planetess, which is about uh, astronauts that clean up uh, junk in the Earth's upper atmosphere. And it's really, really hard science fiction. It has I think it has a little bit more to do with, a little more in common with the 2001 Space Odyssey than Alien, but it is another really cool look at class in a, very, in a, in a space environment. And uh, again, like all the, despite being anime, you know, which is usually the the realm of incredible fancy. This is uh, is very very. It's like The Office in space. And it's a fantastic show. Highly recommend it. What's it called again? Planetess. Planetess. Like wanderers, but planets are named after. I guess it's Greek, but it's like planets with an e between the t and the s. Um, awesome. Well, that wraps it up. Uh, we do want to make sure before we go that we let everybody else and we let everyone listening know where they can find us online. Kathleen, where can people find out about you and what you're doing online? Primarily my Instagram, which you can, uh, my Instagram handle is conscious dust and you can find out everything I'm going to be doing this summer. I'm going to be launching a Kickstarter at some point this summer for an Oracle deck, but I'll just 
post about that as soon as I have the details. And if you're not on Instagram, um, you can just go to KathleenKralowick.com uh, for information about my right. stuff. We will link to that in the that? show notes as well. So you can oh. jump in there and do you check want me to that spell out. It? <laughs> <laughs> or the spelling you... will be there. So, <laughs> so okay, cool, cool, try cool. And, try and okay, good. Out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, Ben, where can people find you online? So you can find me at Ben at on Twitter at, at Ben the Con. Uh, check out uh, BenConComics.com. I uh, find all my work on Comicsology and Renegade Rule is out now. It is out in comic book stores, and in a couple of weeks, it will be out in bookstores everywhere. So head on down to your local comic shop or order it online, because uh, Renegade Rule is now out in stores. Yay. And uh, Emily, where can people find you online? Um, I'm on Twitter at Megamoth, uh, especially if you want to hear more about Evangelion. Um, <laughs> They, I, I talk about that a lot um i'm on instagram at mega underscore moth not as much but still some evangelion there and some alien mm. stuff um i do some some fan art every so often also my my evangelion tamagotchi um but otherwise uh you can find me and my art and the things i do uh on Megamoth on Patreon is patreon.com slash megamoth megamoth.net for my online portfolio um if you want to tumble with me I'm on Tumblr at Megamoth as well um and check out Princeless uh still ongoing volume 10 is en route to you from space so um you know I'm I'm working on yay space into <laughs> our atmosphere it's taking um care and it's gonna be awesome uh check out princeless uh written by jeremy and drawn by me um and that is on comiXology and wherever fine books are sold independently through bookshop.org or your local independent book seller nice uh and as for me i am on twitter and instagram at jrome58 my website is jeremywhitley.com uh, you can order or pre-order a number of my books, including you know, the first nine volumes of Princeless are out, as well as the first nine volumes of Raven the Pirate Princess, which is uh, our, our queer lady pirate revenge story, which is a, a spinoff of Princeless. Um, you also can get the first volume of School for Extraterrestrial Girls, uh, which is out now, and the second volume will be out this fall including a uh, free comic book day special coming in in the fall when we do the, the new free comic book day this year. Uh, it's a slightly different time where you would have just happened otherwise, but uh, this year it'll yeah. be in August or September, I believe. Um, but, you know, we'll, we will see you there. And as for the podcast itself, we are on Patreon at patreon.com slash progressively horrified. We would love it if you would go on there and give us just a few dollars a month you can get some extra podcasts, including us talking about the Fast and the Furious movies, because we uh, really enjoy doing that. And we love doing this and talking to you guys about scary movies. We're on Twitter at Prog Horror Pod, and the website is progressivelyhorrified.transistor.fm. Uh, please be sure to subscribe and rate and review. That'll help other people to find the podcast. 
and enjoy this this whole thing the same way you're enjoying it now. Uh, I do want to thank everyone so much for enjoying us and thank you so much to Kathleen for joining us today. Thank you. Hey, Kathleen. This is yeah. awesome. That's all, yes. Thank and you for joining us, my heart. Aww. Aww. I'm getting cavities. I love you, love. <laughs> and as Aww. always, Emily and Ben, love having you here. Love talking to you guys every week. It's been, it's been a ton of fun talking about aliens yeah. with you. <laughs> Yay, aliens. Aliens. Yay, aliens. We always love holding horror movies to standards it never has to be judged by. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be doing it all over again next week with the next movie, uh, Aliens. Uh, and we will be having, having a wild time with uh, Ben Acker and Ben Blacker talking about aliens. So uh, join us next week for that. Until then, uh, I don't know, stay horrified. Stay horrified. Stay horrified. Just keep watching the news. It's easy. <laughs> <laughs>Aggressively Horrified was created and produced by Jeremy Whitley. This episode featured Jeremy Whitley, Ben Kahn, Emily Martin, and Kathleen Kralowak. All opinions expressed by the commentators are solely their own and not intended to represent the intent or opinion of the filmmakers, nor do they represent any of the employers, institutions, or publishers of the commentators. Our theme music is Epic Darkness by Mario Cole 06 and was provided royalty-free from Pixabay. Please support us at Patreon or contact us on Twitter at ProgHorrorPod or by email at progressivelyhorrified at gmail.com.